And I thought it was really nice. He says, I want to know where my friends are. It's very nice of him to call Sawyer his friend. Well, it's kind of hard to sum it up as, where's the girl I like and the guy that she likes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, where's where's my crush and, and my acquaintance slash frenemy? <laughs> slash maybe best friend? I don't know. Who knows, actually. He's the closest thing I have to a friend on this island, but I'm not ready for that conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is, what is your favorite kind of breakfast food? Um, I really love crepes. You do love crepes. I'm gonna go with crepes. She's a big crepe fan. Yeah, I'm a big crepe head. Do you want to take that back or are you gonna stick with that? Okay. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And my favorite breakfast food is definitely any kind of waffle. Mm. I'm a huge waffle. Waffles and pancakes girl. We love carbs over here. Oh yeah, this is a house of carb lovers. (laughs) Yeah. But um, they have to have flavies. I love flavies. Which flavie is your favorite flavie? Um, there's this is such a basic bitch thing, but at Denny's they have a cinnamon like dolce. Can you read my mind? Cinnamon bun. <laughs> Forgot the word bun. Uh-huh. <laughs> a cinnamon bun pancake, and uh, it has like little crumblies on it. It is delicious. And today our guest is Drew. Woo! Hello. So Drew, we have had you on before. It was like. A full season. Like, last time we had you on for 202, yeah. oh my God, now this is 301, <laughs> so it's been a full season, but if people don't remember, can you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, my name is Drew Koenig. I am a TV critic slash writer slash person haunting a local grocery store in Central Kentucky. Good. Uh, <laughs> that is my life. And I am I'm on Twitter at the Drew Koenig, and I'm I'm writing at a couple places right now. I'm doing Telltale TV, where I just wrapped up writing about Legends of Tomorrow, which is only one of the best shows on television. Um, Big if true, <laughs> it is true. I have I have the receipts. It's okay. Okay. And I'm also at my own website lostcause.net, where in thanks to Brittany would be extremely her shit. Uh, I've started reviewing <laughs> every episode of Star Trek. Which just what? Yeah, I just I just tweeted about it like an hour ago. So, oh okay, I was like, what? I know. <laughs> yeah, I just did like the first one today. So, case wait. <laughs> uh, and I have a couple podcasts: uh, Lost Cause Pod and Tens Redux. Lost Cause Pod is a just very general pop culture discussion podcast, which you both have appeared on, mm-hmm. and we did a couple hundred podcasts. If you all are interested in that, and uh, Tens Redux, which is uh, me going through the. Film and television shows of the 2010s, which is a lot of fun, and you both have also been on that one. No, I was yes. like, I'm on that. <laughs> I feel so fancy when I get to be on podcasts that aren't my own. It's true. You know, it's like, yes, I'm on podcasts, but it's because I did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wasn't them. invited on my own podcast. Mm-hmm. I did it myself, but I get invited onto yours, which makes me feel special. Yes. Oh, she's a fancy lady. Yeah. 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 Now the last the last podcast I think they'll come up is me and Robin fighting about BBC Sherlock, which was you know hilarity ensued. <laughs> I tried not to fight, but I feel that potentially fighting <laughs> words came out. <laughs> um, can confirm. Potentially fighting words came out. Yes. Yeah. I was sitting in the other room and the voices got raised, and I was like, "We okay. tried. We tried to keep the energy low." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it went though, but yeah. You will at one point hear me going. I think we need to take a break. 
Yep. Yep. <laughs> but look, hey, Guys, we so got funny. over our differences and now we're here to both talk about a show that we truly love with all our hearts. So so who who are some of your favorite characters on this show? Um, I feel like any character that I would say is just fill in the blank. Yeah, obviously that's my favorite character, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so instead of doing that, I'm going to pour one out for uh, Edda Lucia, who is an underappreciated mm-hmm. character and did not get not get the respect she deserved as far as I i'm inclined to agree done today that would be a much (laughs) better received character i am convinced i agree i agree and she'd be gay thank you yes and she'd be gay (laughs) what does lost mean to you i know it's a big question that that is a big question you know what i yeah i try to answer that and it's like it's like somebody asking you how's it feel to breathe i go i don't know i just do it (laughs) (laughs) right it just happens it just happens kind of (laughs) automatic Yeah, it's like, I, I I don't know. I was just, me and Lost have always just existed. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. You know, like I was there on the first day. I've been there <laughs> every week since. Uh, it's just been a constant thing in my life. And what's your favorite breakfast food? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with cinnamon rolls. Mm, that's oh. a great choice. I just like wanted to say that all three of our choices were great. I agree. <laughs> and I respect all of you. Yeah, I respect you too. Today we have words to say about episode 301 of Lost, A Tale of Two Cities. So, A Tale of Two Cities is a book by Charles Dickens. What? And only two books by Charles Dickens are very prevalent in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, which is obviously a title of an episode, and Our Mutual Friend, which is important plot-wise. But A Tale of Two Cities from Wikipedia is a 1859 historical novel by Charles Dickens set in London and Paris before and during the French Revolution. The novel tells the story of the French doctor Manette, his 18-year-long imprisonment in the Bastille in Paris, and his release to live in London with his daughter Lucy, whom he had never met. The story is set against the conditions that lead up to the French Revolution and the Reign of Terror. Um, Also, according to a... Um, the like Lost podcast in 2006, Damon Lindelof explained that the two cities of this episode refer to the two societies of the others and the survivors. Oh, okay. So there you go. Um, the broadcast date was October 4th, uh, 2006. And the story was by Damon Lindelof and the teleplay was by Damon and J.J. Abrams. This is the one and only time that J.J. Abrams has ever returned to work on the show since Pilot Part 2. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's the only time he ever does. Why? Um, he's just busy, I think. Yeah, that was like at the height of the JJ verse. But why is this like the one thing that he comes back for, though? Like of all the episodes. Yeah, I Elizabeth was... Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell. <laughs> it's Elizabeth Mitchell. I just, I, I think that maybe like this is, I mean, at the beginning of every season, it's like a turning point for the show. True. And I don't know if, I don't know. I'm, I'm not him. So I, I don't know. It, it, it had to be, like, that they were taking this in a new direction with the others. Maybe Damon asked him to be a part of it. Maybe JJ wanted to. Like, I, I don't know. But either way, I'm glad that he did because it's a very good episode. Agreed. Can anybody tell me the difference between, like, someone writing, like, the story for an episode and someone writing the teleplay for the episode? One, like, breaks the actual story and one writes the actual stri- script. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that makes sense. that's about it. Yeah, they were so they wrote the script together, but Damon was the one who like kind of f- figured out exactly what was actually going to happen. Which makes sense because JJ's not much of a writer. Mm. You mean like he needed a a, a partner? Yeah, like yeah. an actual like screenwriter, like mm-hmm. someone trained. Yeah, there was a JJ's com- an idea guy. <laughs> yeah, there was a commentary for um, this episode on the DVDs, 
And I was absolutely thrilled to be able to listen to it uh, a couple days ago because um, I've listened to all of the commentaries on all of my DVDs and Blu-rays and such. Mm -hmm. And this one is my favorite. It's um, Damon and Liz Mitchell. And they basically just spent, like, Carlton isn't there. So Damon (laughs) isn't, like, weighed down by, like, actually having to talk about professional things. So he just makes stupid jokes the entire time. So he's basically just posting the entire yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, he's just making dumb jokes the whole time. If you guys have, if our listeners have the means to watch the commentary and you haven't watched the commentary on any of the episodes, this is the one that I would recommend. It is so fun and so funny. And if you don't, they have a transcript of it up on Lostpedia. So... You can also check that out. Be like, thanks. Um, and it was directed by Jack Bender. Of course, your Jack, friend Jack Bender. Well, Jack Bender, he takes on the most important ones, and a season premiere is definitely important. So, yeah. uh, so now Brittany's going to recap the episode. She's going to try and do it in less than a minute. Um, but, I mean, th- that is... T- it's just a dream. <laughs> we all know this. Yeah. It's just a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, she's going to be sped up. Uh, so she sounds funny, and I think it's funny and great. Brittany to spare is my favorite part of this podcast. Yeah. Oh God. I hate y'all. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start in the present and then go to the past. Sure. Just so we're clear. Okay. okay so that's uh, um, anti-chronologically. Yes. What is the opposite of chronologically? Backward. I feel like there's a fancier word for that, but I respect you. Okay. Thank okay. you. I'm going to look up antonym of chronologically while you do that. Okay, cool. Okay. So Jack wakes up somewhere new and sexy, aka a damp pool. Nice Lady Juliet asks him some questions that he isn't into answering, so he lies about literally everything. Classic Jack! Then Jack spends, like, a bunch of scenes kind of, like, angsting about his dad and thinking he can hear things through the wall, but he can't. He tries to escape by holding a weapon to Juliet's throat. He wants to leave. Juliet is like, no, I can't open the door, it'll kill us. And then Ben comes in and is like, no, I can't open the door, it'll kill us. So Jack doesn't listen and he opens the door, which lets in a bunch of water that could definitely kill them. He gets the door shut with Juliet's help because Ben bounces and she punches him out cold. He deserved that. Juliet reads Jack to filth about his life. Does he want to know about Sarah? Yes. Is she happy? Yes. Elsewhere, Kate is subject to a bunch of gross sexism and kidnapping tropes by Mr. Friendly and Ben. She showers while Mr. Friendly watches gross and has her clothes stolen gross, but no worries. What? He specifically doesn't watch. I know! Ben has a nice dress ready for her. He throws her a lovely meal on the beach to make up for the next two weeks being awful. Neat. Kidnapping is fun. Sora wakes up in a cage and gets himself electrocuted by Button, even though the random kid in the other cage tells him not to press it. Classic Sawyer. The kid, Carl, escapes and lets Sawyer out, but Juliet catches him immediately because he's a dumbass. Back in the cage he goes. He eventually figures out how to get food out of the Button. They bring Kate in and there's a lot of skate feelings. They split a fish biscuit. In the past, Jack spends literally his entire flashback time trying to find out who his soon-to-be ex-wife is dating. He thinks it's his dad and even follows him to to an AA meeting and makes an ass of himself, accusing him of all sorts of things. He attacks his dad and gets thrown in jail. Sarah bails him out and says who she's with doesn't matter because it's Jack, who Jack is not that matters more. Oberon. Also, in the past, Juliet burns muffins and prepares for book club. In the middle of book club, while she gets read to filth about her choice in a Stephen King novel, which turns out to be Carrie because I asked Robin, there's a huge boom. A plane is crashing overhead. Ben signs Goodwin and Ethan to go undercover on each side of the tail and front end of the plane. Guess Ben's out of the book club. The word I was looking for was reverse chronological. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, cool. So we're just going to get started into our notes. I split it in between Sawyer and Kate stuff and then the Jack stuff that's including the Juliet flashback. And then we do our actual flashbacks and then we do the spoilers. I'm excited. So starting with the skate stuff, I do believe we start with Kate. Yes. Okay. So here's my summary for the first scene in that storyline. Kate wakes up with a shower running next to her. Mr. Friendly is also there. He tells her to take a shower and get dressed. She is so grossed out. She will not shower in front of him. He didn't even mean that. She's not his type. So he leaves her to shower. First of all, this is a waste of water. How much water do you have on this deserted island? Maybe it's filtered. Well, I'm sure it is filtered. But still. 
So Friendly is, like, just standing there waiting for her to wake up with his, like, shoes getting wet. And it's interesting because all episode, Mr. Friendly is, like, her, like, attendant. Like, he gets her a shower, a towel and soap and a dress, and later he's like, I'll bring you some antiseptic and everything. So I think, like, it's interesting that it's clear Ben must have, like, asked him to do that. Um, she says that she won't shower in front of him, and I just wanted to say that I think it's really sad that she, like, immediately jumps to that. Like, it's clear that she's been sexualized her whole life. And just assumes immediately that that he was trying to, like, violate her. It kind of makes sense. I mean, he was standing there watching her be passed out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, an element of, like, anything can happen to me at this point, you know? Right. True. Yeah. Totally. So then she sees that she had a needle in her arm. And on Lostpedia, it said that Kate and Jack were both shown with a needle wound in their armed arms, but Sawyer was never shown to have one. Um, however, a promo picture did show Sawyer with his sleeves rolled up to reveal a bandage. Oh, okay. So even though Sawyer doesn't have, like, a specific shot for it, it's clear that that happened to all three of them. Um, speaking of Sawyer, Sawyer wakes up in a cage. There's another one just across from his with a teenage boy sitting in it. Sawyer tries to ask him questions, but he doesn't respond. He sees there's a mechanism inside his cage with a button. He pushes it twice, and a speaker says the word warning. The boy warns him not to do it again, but Sawyer is a defiant douchebag, so he pushes it again and gets electrocuted. Because why not? Because why not? So Sawyer's in the cage and he sees the Dharma symbol and we see the Hydra, especially like later in the episode when Juliet says that it is called the Hydra. So that's kind of reinforced there. And I just wanted to say that like, I'm so impressed with like the set department this season because everything looks so old and grimy and just like crazy. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the big difference from like this and like the hatch, which had a, which had like a big, like, 70s aesthetic going on we're like this this yeah just looks mucky and grimy like you're in a zoo right and the hatch was like supposed to juxtapose like the jungle outside that it's so um like pristine down in the in the hatch and so it's cool that like the jungle and the hatch were supposed to juxtapose each other and now it's kind of like this is supposed to juxtapose the hatch so we're back to like grimy and gross Mm -hmm. well it's almost like a weird combination of the two you know Mm-hmm. So we get Carl in the other cage, um, and if I was watching this for the first time, I would wonder if Carl was planted there, if he was like a plant for the others, like to maybe learn more about him, but we kind of learn later that he's not. He gets electrocuted, and he gets like pushed back pretty far, because it is a polar bear-sized shock that he's getting, right? right. Joe Garfine did a couple of... Um, interviews for the finale, the 10 year anniversary of the finale. And she had a whole interview with Bobby Moynihan, who's just like <laughs> a huge fan of Lost and like relatable, but he owns this machine. He bought it in a, <laughs> in an auction and he owns this machine. And I was like, I never really wondered who owned this machine, but now that I know, I'm glad that I know. Yes. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. So Carl says, I told you so to Sawyer. And you know what? Most people don't get to say that to Sawyer. So, or maybe they do, but Sawyer doesn't take it. Yeah. You got to really savor those moments. Yeah. Uh, So Kate finishes with her shower and goes to one of the lockers to get to her clothes. They're missing. There is a dress with a sign telling her to wear it. She has no other choice. So she does. Um, Because her clothes are gross, obviously. I mean, they kind of did her a favor by taking those. I agree. Yeah. Um, The locker that she looks in is locker 841. So two of those numbers are relevant yep um and in the commentary damon said that this moment was based on raiders of the lost ark putting like a tomboy type of character in a dress to make her like small and vulnerable 
But, like, in a storytelling way. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. like, not in a gross way. No, I know. Yeah. So, Kate, in the dress, is escorted to the beach where she finds a canopied hut. Ben is beneath it with a table of breakfast food. She sits down and he asks her to put on the handcuffs that he has. She says no, but Ben says she can't have coffee if she doesn't. She puts them on, but not tight enough, so he asks her to fix them. She asks about Sawyer and Jack, and Ben wonders why she asked about Sawyer first. Because he <laughs> wants to give me my rights. He's like, oh, wait, should I ship this? <laughs> he also says that they burned her clothes. He says that the next few weeks will be very uncomfortable and hard for her, so he wanted her to have something nice and feel human for a bit beforehand. It's foreboding. It's also kind of funny that he's like, I wanted you to have something nice, but Jack and Sawyer immediately get put in cages. Right? <laughs> I can't say I'd be upset if I was her. I'd be like, honestly, thank you. I love pancakes. <laughs> you know? Doing it for the pancakes. So my first question was, why does Kate get breakfast but not Jack or Sawyer? I think it might be... It's like a sexism thing, but it kind of works in her favor. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. it's, def it's definitely sexism. Yeah. Where's this hut for the rest of the series? We never see this hut again. It's in his backyard. Who's to say? <laughs> yep. This guy, like, they're, they're trying to tell us that they are super, super fancy by w giving him a French press and a mesh cloche. Mesh what? Mesh what? A cloche, you know, the thing that you pull up, you put it on top of, it's like a dome that you put on top of I did food. not know that was a word. It's called a cloche. Thank you for educating me. You're too. welcome. There are new things every day. Mm -hmm. Never stop growing. So she has to put on the handcuffs, which is like a huge symbol for her. So that's very symbolic. Um, and she is willing to do it for coffee. She says Sawyer's name first because... Just for me, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, then now we know what her, like where her loyalties lie. They burned her clothes and things are going to be bad. So here's something nice to hold on to. What did you do with Sawyer and Jack? Now, why Sawyer? Why Sawyer what? It's the first one you asked about. What did you do with Sawyer and Jack? You don't know me. Of course I don't. I want my clothes back. We burned them. Why did you bring me here? Why did you make me put on this dress? Why are you feeding me breakfast? I brought you here so you'd look out at the water and feel comforted. Comforted that your friends were looking out at the same ocean. I gave you the dress so you'd feel like a lady. And I wanted you to eat your food with a real live fork and feel civilized. I did all those things so that you'd have something nice to hold on to. Because Kate, the next two weeks are going to be very unpleasant. There's a thing from Lostpedia here um, where someone asked Damon Will we find out what Ben and Kate talked about on the beach when he had her join him for breakfast wearing that dress? And Damon said, this is one of those things that no matter what we say, it doesn't matter how many times we say it. I don't know what it is about that scene where people think this is really significant piece of information transferred between the two of them on the beach. Kate is actually working undercover for Ben or something like that. Nothing happened. That's the real answer. We never intended it to feel that way. And when we say nothing happened, they think we're lying or we originally had a plan and abandoned the plan. All I can say is, hand to God, nothing happened. Wow beep that beep was calling bull yeah how do you not see that setting up like this breakfast between two major players and then not showing the rest of the breakfast would not leave people with questions i don't know but at least it was answered like at least eventually he was like here's the answer 
yeah. what you're asking for, which is nothing. Yeah. But also, I'd never... <laughs> this is the first time this has ever actually occurred to me. That, like, something more might be... I know! In that uh, little lunch of theirs. Me too. Like, I'm just, like, filled with theories all the time. But the first time I watched it, I was like, that's nice. That's nice. I'm glad they had breakfast. I mean, it's, it's anyway. a weird scene because, like, these characters have never interacted before, I don't think. Yeah. Like... Well, um, yeah. Right, because she... Because, like, Kate, ne- Kate never saw him in, like, the hatch, right? Yeah, she was she was left out of the loop pers- purposefully. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Sawyer continues to try and figure out the food mechanism. The teen boy in the other cage, Carl, starts asking about Sawyer's camp and where it is. He breaks himself out and then Sawyer, telling him where to run. Sawyer runs but is found by Juliet and gets <laughs> shocked with the shocker gun again. He gets put back in the cage. Carl was caught as well and it looks pretty beaten up. Friendly pushes him against Sawyer's cage and Carl apologizes for involving him in his scheme. It was just so funny when Juliet gets him. Because mm-hmm. all she says is, hey. Yeah. Oh, hey. What's up? And it works because all she's trying to do is get him to, like, stop and turn around. Exactly. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, Carl asks how far away their camp is. And I have some spoiler thoughts about that. And Sawyer calls Char- Carl Chachi, which is a character from Happy Days from 1974 to 1984. And I tried to look him up. And basically, he's kind of just like a kid brother type character. Yeah, no, that tracks. So he escapes and... One thing on Lostpedia said that when he tells Sawyer to run, Sawyer runs past what looks like a bird cage. So that's kind of bringing back the high bird from the season finale last season. Oh, right! Like the hurly bird? Yeah, the the hurly bird, yeah. Yeah. There are, like, several times this episode where, like, people are like, hey, what? They don't answer questions. And I'm like, this episode, they're answering, like, several questions. Just this episode, they're giving you answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Carl tells him to run away because... I think that his plan, basically, is that Sawyer is more of a priority than him, so they'll go after Sawyer before they go after Carl, and Carl might get away. Okay. That's what I think his plan I think that's also accurate. It just didn't work. Yeah, I I think that's accurate, too. I think it's also just, like, Mm -hmm. basic diversionary tactic, you know? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they'll go after you or me, I'm hoping they go after you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Juliet shocks Sawyer, and in the commentary, Liz was saying that this scene was actually shot, like, weeks later than the stuff with Jack. That's weird. Yeah. So he's back in the cage, and there's a blooper here that Mr. Friendly tries to lock the cage, but it's not actually locked. Like, you can see that he, like, leaves it open. And you're like, oops. You're like, oh, run. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't screw it up this time. Um, Damon said in the commentary that he noticed that they were halfway through the episode and no one got beat up. So he beat up. He got Carl beat up. Aww. He's like, someone needs to get beat up. That's mean. Okay, so why would they make Carl apologize to Sawyer? Because they don't care about Sawyer's crap, right? Maybe it's to show, like, how much power they hold. Like, it's a power play or something. Yeah, because, I mean, as far as Sawyer knows... Carl is, could be, like, a captive from, he, like, Carl isn't necessarily an other. Exactly. He could be from another group yeah. on the island or whatever. Right. So I guess that would make sense. I don't know if we're supposed to know if Carl is an other at this point. It doesn't come off that way. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's kind of what it was. Yeah, it was literally just like, here's what we can make people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some, there's a garbage truck outside. There sure is a garbage truck outside, <laughs> and it sure is loud. Yeah. Should I close the door? No, it'll be done soon. Uh, d- yeah, and it's like, it's so loud during the day, and then at night, downtown Vancouver, silent. Mm-hmm. Huh. Except for sometimes you hear beep boop when people are trying to- Oh uh, yeah, when they're trying to cross, cross the street. The street. 
Like the other night we went out onto the balcony and it was just like, we were looking around and we're like, I don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. Like I can hear the waves hitting the beach. Mm -hmm. That's not normal. Nice. For a downtown. I don't, I don't live Um, anywhere near downtown, so I would not know. Yeah. But yeah, now Carl is no longer in the other cage. Like he's like, it, it stands empty until they put Kate in there later. I have a whole bunch of uh, spoiler thoughts about this scene, so. Oh, I'm excited to talk about that. You with spoiler thoughts? Yeah. I'm what? Um, okay, final scene and the most important scene of this storyline. Thank you. Oh, okay. Big, if true. Sawyer reaches for a rock outside of his cage and gets it. He puts the rock on part of the machine and throws his shoe at the other. A happy song plays. He did it. The mechanism gives him a fish biscuit, some kibble, and some water, which he immediately lies down to drink. Just then, Mr. Friendly brings Kate in and locks her in the other cage. Her wrists are raw from the handcuffs. Once Friendly is gone, Sawyer offers Kate his fish biscuit, and they have a really tender moment that I'm ready to talk about for several hours. <laughs> Sawyer offers Kate his fish biscuit. Yes. So he figures out how to get a biscuit, and the song that plays is called The Thunderer. It is an 1889 march by John Philip Sousa, and it plays when Sawyer is rewarded with the fish biscuit. I mean, I think you'll find that it's Imagine Dragons, but that's fine. The Thunderer? It, I didn't say it was a good joke. It's a joke. It's not a good joke. Imagine Dragons, 1889. There you go! I really love when they treat Sawyer like an idiot. So like how he's meant to be treated. Well, he just, he, he has such a big, he has such big bravado. Yeah. And so now it's like, and and who is he performing for? No one. No one else is there. Carl isn't even there anymore. Like when he figures it out and he just starts like dancing and like singing and woohooing. He's like, look, I did it. We're like, there's no one around. Yeah. No one's here to see you. (laughs) He doesn't even have to do any of it. It's just that Sawyer's upset that a mechanism is outsmarting him. And it's yeah. perfect. You know what? He needs the ego check. That's what they're trying to yeah. do is like kind of break him a little bit. That's like part of it is that like, I think that they kind of underestimate Kate. Oh, for sure. Because, well, actually, oh, never mind. I have more thoughts. So they underestimate Kate, but they estimate Sawyer. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. I think that the, throughout this entire episode, what they're trying to do is break each of the people. Right? Yes. And so with Jack, we see him getting broken very slowly. I think with Sawyer, it's like, you know, he's breaking, they're breaking him with the mechanism, but also by giving him Kate, who is all messed up and mm-hmm. stuff. I think that's a way to break him. And there's um, episode uh, 304 also is very in on breaking the stallion that is Sawyer. Um, <laughs> the stallion? Yes. And then there's Kate and you're like, oh, they're underestimating her. They don't feel like they need to break her because she's a woman or whatever. But then when she comes back and her like wrists are all raw and you don't know what happened to her and everything. And she feels kind of broken from that place on. Then it's kind of like maybe that's what they were doing is that she was broken within the interim that we didn't get to see. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think psychologically messing her with her that way, taking away her armor, taking away like just layers and layers and layers of her identity until she's stripped down to like this feminine idea, mm-hmm. like including the fact that like if she wants to escape, she's not in practical clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a different kind of break. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm like putting it's dehumanizing, yeah, mm-hmm. like putting her in that dress and then keeping her in that dress. It's like this big yeah, humiliation right. tactic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Keeping her in it, not giving her more clothes after the breakfast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he he finally wins and he's like, I am. I am the master commander. <laughs> and then they're like, OK, here's a biscuit and some kibble. And he's like, wow. The kibble is the really degrading part, I yes. think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's so fun because it's literally just like, it just slides, just sadly just slides out. And he's like, oh, 
But he also gets water, which is great. Yeah. And and he, like, gets down on the ground like an animal because this cage was built for animals. And then they bring in Kate, and he's like, what? Oops, huh? I'm not on the ground drinking from a pipe. I'm not just slurping away. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, that's the part that I love about Sawyer trying to beat this thing is that he doesn't even know what it does. Yeah. He does not know what the outcome of this will be. He just knows it's outsmarting me, and I cannot allow this. Yeah, and also I'm very bored, and I need something to do, and but I don't want to be electrocuted a lot. I literally was just about to be like, yeah, like, it was probably his only form of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a dork. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Friendly says that he'll bring her medicine. I'm not really sure why he's so nice to her. Um, oh, because he's a creep. He's not a creep. He's kind of a creep. No. Okay. <laughs> why do you think he's a creep? Because of the way he talks and the, way, the things that he says and the way he looks. Well, that's not very nice. Okay. By the way he looks, yeah, he does this little smile thing and it's really creepy. Okay. Robin's apparently decided that Mr. Friendly is the hill she's prepared to die upon. I know! His I'm name gonna... is Friendly! <laughs> he just likes football. Do you think that's his legal name? Yes. Okay. Also, I just, like, know that Mr. Friendly is just, like, deeply incompetent. <laughs> okay. So um, he's just special to me. Okay. he's just very dumb. Okay. So Kate's wrists are all messed up, which is, I think, a parallel to the pilot when she's, like, rubbing her wrists the first time we see her. Oh, yeah. Um, from Lostpedia, it said that another deleted scene had Kate resorting to desperate measures to get out of her handcuffs, injuring her wrists in the process. The resulting scars are clearly visible in several subsequent scenes and episodes. Mm -hmm. So that's what that is. Um, but we can kind of just guess what happened, really. So um, I think that deleting that scene was okay yay so mr friendly says he'll bring kate a bunch of things and sawyer's like i could also use a few things and damon was just like yeah jj wrote that line you can tell why he's like he, that's just the kind of jokes that jj makes so you know that he made that one can you make the argument that jj is probably sawyer <laughs> just in general yes you think so it's like his sole character is sawyer i mean same i guess yeah stick your hands out through the bars i'll take off your cuffs scratched you up pretty bad didn't they I'll bring you some antiseptic later. How about you bring me an ottoman? Well, you had it, I could use a blow dry. Hey, you got yourself a fish biscuit. How'd you do that? I figured out your complicated gizmos, that's how. Only took the bears two hours. How many of them were there? So Mr. Friendly says that the bears only took two hours, and Sawyer's like, well, there must have been more than one of them because... Like, there's just one of me, so. Yeah, like, teamwork. So, like, when you, like, balance it out, really, I was better than them, right? He's, like, literally, like, okay, but, like, if you had to grade me. Yeah, yeah, what, what would it be? <laughs> Against an animal, how well am I doing? Yes. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> I am so excited. I am going to be living my best skate life this season, and I'm just thrilled. Thank you. You know, I don't like to agree with Robin often, but this is the season where I was on board with skate yeah. and it pretty much begins and ends here it's so good next episode is just oh so good i'm so excited y'all the phrase i don't like to agree with robin off <laughs> is so good which is weird because i have such good opinions sure let's go with um, that <laughs> to agree with robin off i'm like oh man me too <laughs> So I was just thinking that, like, it must be so comforting for Kate after having obviously been through something really difficult to, like, it must be comforting to see Sawyer, even if they're not in the same cage. I mean, you can see the tears in her eyes, right? Yeah. I really love the moment where he tells her that her dress is very nice, but then he learns that she's not wearing it of her consent. 
Voluntarily. Yeah, like, they made her wear it, and then suddenly it's, like, now he doesn't like it. It has gross undertones, and now he feels really bad for saying anything. And you can kind of see that just through those, like, two lines and then, like, Josh's face afterwards, and I think that's really masterful. Mm. Also, he gives her the fish biscuit that he spent all day trying to get. Yeah. Hello? I didn't think about that. And she, like, seems so hungry. I'm just like, didn't, you didn't, did you not eat at breakfast? Probably not. She's just like. I wouldn't have eaten either. I mean, it's it kind of parallels Jack, potentially, because he's also like, I don't want your food. I don't want your food. So, I don't know. Does she think it's poison? Who's to say? I would think it was poison. Hey, if I can jump forward a little bit, just because I have this thought and I don't want to lose it. Okay. I wonder if Jack also thinks that the food that they're giving them is, like, poison or something. And so when Juliet walks out of the room eating the sandwich that's her way of like proving to him that it isn't and that she can trust that he can trust the food that she's giving yeah probably it's also a really nice like detail where she takes a bite and then she covers her mouth just to have like a kind of a ladylike moment after we assumed that she has not been treated very much like one which is so sad yeah um i'm really excited for the kate and sawyer content this season and thank you (laughs) excited by kate and sawyer yeah i'm really excited what um but yeah that's all that one's obviously the b storyline yep um and now we're gonna get into the hard-hitting questions of jack can you Uh, believe it yes i'm good i'm gonna go (laughs) and um we're also including the juliet flashback in this one so we are going to start with that yay so we open the episode on an eye shocker But this time, it's a blonde woman that we've never seen before. Her name is Juliet. She heads to her CD player in her totally normal-looking home and puts on Downtown by Petula Clark. She looks in the mirror and seems a little sad. The fire alarm goes off and she grabs her muffins accidentally with an oven mittless hand and burns herself. Her doorbell rings and she goes to answer it. It's her elderly neighbor, Amelia, here for the book club. Another of her neighbors is helping by fixing Juliet's plumbing. What a lovely and perfectly normal existence. So we open on Juliet's eye and her playing like a song and everything is parallel to Desmond. I wish they had done this for every single opening of a a season like (gasps) after, but like this is the only two that it does. That would have been so cool. It's so cool where they bring in like a new character, like a character we've never seen before in a place that we don't recognize and seems like it's off island. And is so iconic. Mm -hmm. And is iconic. And they play music that have similar vibes. It's very that. It's very that. Um, oh, and but she plays a CD rather than a record player because obviously the hatch is like kind of it has stopped an in time. Yes. Yeah, it's like um, paused in time, and this place isn't. Yeah, um, she seems really sad, but um, the song kind of helps her be happy. Yeah, I love that. Um, in this scene, you can see Elizabeth Mitchell cycle through so many emotions mm-hmm. while just looking in a mirror. Yeah. I was like, this is an extraordinary actress right here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Juliet listens to Downtown, a song describing city life while living on a tropical island, isolated from the rest of the world. Furthermore, the song's primary theme is escaping one's troubles, something which Juliet was never able to accomplish. No. Yeah. Um, that was from Lostpedia. Thanks for hurting our feelings. Yeah. Um, Damon said in the commentary that all the music that they use is music that his mother used to vacuum to, and that um, she would vacuum and cry. Okay, what a cool insight into his childhood. That's probably why they made Juliet look so sad when she was listening to it, but he was like, yeah, my mom used to just vacuum and cry, and I was like, okay. That's a lot of psychological (laughs) issues to bring up right now, bud. We can't, we We don't have time to (laughs) unpack all of that. So it's almost time for book club. Um, she burns her hand and you know what? She's going through a lot right now. She's got a lot going through her head. Nobody's perfect. Protect her. However, 
I wouldn't say that this is like the only reason that I do this, but it's probably one of the reasons that like whenever I'm taking out something from the oven, even if it's not very heavy and I can do it with one hand, I always put oven mitts on both of my hands. Oh yeah, I did that for years too. Yeah, I have watched you do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm a Virgo, but I was raised by an Aries. So I'll put one on, but then I'll risk it. No, ma'am. Yeah. No. So one of my questions was why are her muffins burning if her alarm just went off? But then when I rewatched it, I realized that it was the fire alarm and she forgot to put on a timer. Bless her heart. Yeah. Not having a great day. So it's Ethan who's helping her out with her plumbing, but we don't see him yet, which is like, because obviously. I love how skillfully they hide him though. Mm -hmm. Like even when she runs outside, you still don't really see it's him until like, Ben called him forward or until yeah we have that like re that like reveal shot where we do see Ben from far away exactly Mm -hmm. so yeah we get Amelia and there's a deleted scene here that became uh like a webisode there was these webisodes that came out in between season three and season four called missing pieces Mm -hmm. and one of the deleted scenes here became one of the missing pieces so yeah I loved the idea of webisodes. Mm-hmm. It felt like so much bonus content. Like, why did we ever stop doing that? Yeah. I'm, we're going to do uh, an, an episode on, on the Mobisodes, if that's okay with you, Brittany. That sounds cool. I don't know if I've seen any of them. Oh, yeah. They're they're very good. Yes, and they are canon, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Juliet hosts the book club in her living room. As the host, she got to choose the book, and she chooses her favorite book, Carrie, by Stephen King. Unfortunately, some jerk named Adam just says it sucks and that someone named Ben wouldn't like it at all. Must be why he isn't here. Juliet tells Adam that she's thrilled that he doesn't like her favorite book, and why should she only choose books that Ben would like? Just then an earthquake starts. It's not even literature. It's popcorn. And why isn't it literature, Adam? I'm dying to know. There's no metaphor. It's by the numbers, religious hokum pokum. No metaphor? It's science fiction. Now I know why Ben isn't here. Excuse me? I know the host picks the book, but seriously, Julie, he wouldn't read this in the damn bathroom. Well, Adam, I am the host, and I do pick the book. And this is my favorite book, so I am absolutely thrilled that you can't stand it. Silly me for sinking so low as to select something that Ben wouldn't like. Here I am thinking that free will still actually exists on... So, um, Adam doesn't like Carrie. Brittany, have you you have seen the movie Carrie. Mm-hmm. I have seen the musical Carrie. Yeah. Together, we've seen Carrie. Uh, Drew, have you read Carrie? I have. I've read Carrie. I've seen Carrie. Oh my gosh! We have we've completed the, trifecta. the trifecta at last. High five! <laughs> yes! I was hoping that you had read it. I have. It's, it's been a really long time. But yeah, it's, it's a demented book. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it's a truly demented what? book. What? What would you say makes Carrie Juliet's favorite book? Like, why would she choose choose it? Um, I mean, probably just like the because a lot of Carrie has to do with like the subjugation of basically being in high school and being bullied, yeah, and trying to because like her mom, I I mean, you've seen the movie of like her mom yes. is so religious and trying to fit within like that system, uh, and also trying to fit within like the school system and not fitting in either really well. Mm-hmm. So this feels like a spoiler conversation, but <laughs> sure. I think you could also argue that even her choosing it is a good sign of her psychological state while on the island. Sure, like, you could infer that from just that choice alone, right? Yeah. Well, and like on a metatextual level, this is uh, the Lost writers putting in uh, Stephen King property because, like, a big thing that they've said is like the stand was a huge inspiration for them. And they had, like, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. copies of The Stand in, like, their writer's room. 
Right. Uh, so this is just like another little shout out to uh, Stephen King. Like mm-hmm. I've been, been in the second season being like, no Stephen King? Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. Inter- oh, you're right. That's interesting that he, maybe it reminded him of her, like when he was asking for it. Because this obviously is a flashback to before he was in the yeah. hatch. Maybe he was hoping that Carrie was in it because, oh, I had thoughts on this because, um, because he says that he clearly is out of the book club. Do you think that means that he did read the book and he just like hasn't been invited to talk about it or like maybe him saying do you have any Stephen King is like hoping that Carrie is there so that he can read Carrie or something like that I think he just straight up was not invited okay yeah um like before like did he know there was going to be a book club meeting but he just like didn't know when it was no or or he just full-on was like hey we're skipping a month of the book club yeah yeah you know like he like clearly he's been in the book club previously you know what maybe it is more realistic that he wasn't told the day (laughs) right yeah so like do you think he's read carrie or not is the question is my question i guess oh (gasps) wait never mind (laughs) okay okay well here i'm skipping a little bit forward but um there was a thing on lostpedia that said carrie white the eponymous heroine attends you in high school and the principal of the high school is named henry grail oh my god and so i thought Oh, he must have read the book and then chosen that name. But then I remembered, like, they genuinely found the ID of the guy who was named Henry Gale. So that wasn't... Oh, right. So he didn't choose that name. It's just like a... It just happened to be a super fun coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence, really. But, um... This is, this is Damon Undolph being cheeky again. Exactly. exactly. No, literally. So, yeah. I guess my question is, has he... Did, did Ben actually read the book or not? But... I think... I think even if it wasn't an assignment for a book club, mm-hmm. Ben read that book. Sure. There's no way he didn't. And yet Adam is like... I also... Ha- there's there's also a spoiler answer for this, but... <laughs> right, yes. Including how Ben learned how to read. Yeah. <laughs> but Adam's like, oh, Ben wouldn't read this in the bathroom. And I'm like, sir, why do you come here just to be mean? Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. I'm so sick of that attitude. And why does... Why would... Why does Adam know what Ben would like? And why is the... Is Ben the end-all be-all of the book club? Because he's King Ben. Like, is Adam just, like, somehow protesting the fact that Ben wasn't invited to this? Like, is that why he's bringing him up so much? I don't know. Maybe. But she's like, you know what? That's fine. Because I don't like you. And I do like this book. And the fact that you don't like this book reminds me of why I like it. (laughs) So thanks. And I love this shot. They have a shot of Amelia, who's just, like, loving the drama. Because clearly yeah, she she's and Juliet like, are buzz. sipping tea, just yeah. being like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the way that she sets Adam up to be like, no, 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 please tell me. Why is this not a good book? Please, please. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And she says, free will still exists on the, and then it, like, kind of, she gets um, stopped. And, of course, it's, she stopped before saying, like, on this island Mm -hmm. because obviously they need to have the reveal several like a couple seconds from now and so then the earthquake starts and it's secretly just desmond (laughs) messing up oops listen he had a hard day so everyone rushes outside to see oceanic flight 815 separating in mid-air ben tells goodwin and ethan you may remember them to go join the tailies and the regular survivors and gets lists and get lists to him in three days they run off ben walks up to juliet noticing she has the book in her hand and supposes he's out of the book club dork so on Lostpedia, it says that there are some continuity errors about the plane breaking in midair. Like some things that are like, this part broke up before this part, but when we saw it in the pilot, then it was on the beach right beside this part. And, and I'm, you know what? I'm willing to forgive those because it looks cool. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> like, shut up about it. Yeah. 
In the commentary, Elizabeth Mitchell said that this was her first or second day on set. That's crazy to me. So that was really fun. Um, we get to see Ethan and Ben and Goodwin. Um, Goodwin and Ethan get sent away, and we can talk about why those two people are sent away specifically in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. He wants lists in three days. Um, how did they do with this deadline? I think that, like, it feels like Goodwin got his out, like, pretty much immediately, because people are were taken, like, the first night for the tailies, I think. Oh, yeah. But I feel like Ethan, there were so many of them <laughs> that he was like, I'm gonna need a, a little bit more than three days, I feel like. Yeah, because didn't he have to, like, try and get that manifest from Hurley? I think Hurley found the manifest and then just found that he wasn't on the manifest. Oh, okay. It was just that, like, he was just trying to, like, scope everybody out, but there were so many of them that it was, like, kind of impossible. Like, how did all of you it? inexplicably survive this pl- plane crash? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, we can kind of assume that Ben is, like, Henry is named Ben. It's not revealed until the very end of the episode, but you can kind of assume that. So yeah, then it turns out they're on the island, and it's cool because the others are supposed to be, like, simple and poor. And they're not. it turns out that they legit have, like, actual houses and stuff, which is cool. And they're nice houses. Mm -hmm. And you've seen those houses. I've been there, yes. I cried. I cried. Okay. Yeah. You did. I've seen the pictures. Makes sense. Okay, so going into the stuff with Jack. We get a two-for-one special. Two Yay. eye shots in one episode. This time with Jack, who is in a bare metal room lying on a metal platform. He sits up, takes the tape and cotton ball off his arm, and then starts to walk away, hitting a giant glass window in the middle of the room. He calls for Kate, but no one answers. Kate! Um, so yeah, he's trapped, and he runs into the window like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> And in the commentary, Damon made the joke that there was actually no glass there, and Matthew Fox is just a really talented actor. Wow. So my next question was just, how were they transported from the pier? It's clear that they were drugged through the needle and everything. Yes. Especially after when Juliet says more about that. My my big question is, like, how they... I guess they were tied up, but, like, they were not drugged at the end of last season. Like, they, no. they just... They were tied up, and then they got the bags put over their heads. So I guess they just did it while they were tied up, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And then they just, like, transported them in a wheelbarrow. Yeah. that's what In a wheelbarrow, saying. sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, Jack notices a chain hanging from the roof, so hey, why not tug on it? Stupid. Juliet then enters on the other side of the room, protected by the glass, and tells him to cut it out. Take yourself, I'm Juliet. <laughs> um, Damon said in the commentary that he and Carlton had a tone meeting with Jack Bender, so I guess that- I thought that was interesting. They have, like, a sort of meeting with each of the directors to make sure that the- that everything goes smoothly right. and that everything that, you know, the director may have questions about is answered and such, and Jack Bender was like, why is Jack pulling on the chain? What- is his goal? What is he trying to do? Mm-hmm. And Carlton and Damon said, I don't know, but Matthew Fox will make it look good and he'll sell it. Oh, okay. I mean, and tracks. you know what? I never really asked. Yeah, I, ne- I never really asked. But I was wondering, like, but now that he said that, I was like, what is his goal? <laughs> but like, human instinct is see chain pull. Yeah. yeah. What can he use it for? I don't know. Like, like, where does this go? Tarzan? <laughs> like, Tarzan swing into the glass? Maybe glass will break? I would like to see it. Oh, yeah, maybe just testing the weight that it could hold. Yeah. Man, there were so many answers that we just came up with. Yeah. Just pick one. I, f- I feel like the answer is because Jack is a petulant child, and he just sees a chain and goes, Yes. Yes. What could this accomplish if I just yank on it really hard? Let's find out. Let's exactly. find out. Also, the concept of yanking my chain is, like, to, like, tease people, and that's kind of what they're doing. It's Ooh, just, yeah. like, teasing him. I don't know if they meant to do that, but that's what it felt like. Good observation, man. Thanks. 
So Jack keeps pulling on the chain and demands to know where Sawyer and Kate are. She tries to talk to him calmly, but he's not hearing it. Elizabeth Mitchell said that this was her audition scene, so that's cool. That's crazy. Um, And I thought it was really nice. He says, I want to know where my friends are. It's very nice of him to call Sawyer his friend. Well, it's kind of hard to sum it up as, where's the girl I like and the guy that she likes? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, where's, where's my crush and, and my acquaintance slash frenemy? <laughs> slash maybe best friend i don't know who knows actually he's the closest thing i have to a friend on this island but i'm not ready for that conversation right now (laughs) yeah that's too that's too much commitment for me he's like you know what this is tmi where are my friends (laughs) like he had that whole conversation with himself in his head yeah yeah Yeah. he's like i want to know where my friends yeah let's just go with friends yeah Yeah, where are my friends Mm -hmm. basically juliet's just trying to stop him from doing property damage (laughs) juliet's like can you just stop wrecking our shit stop stop um and then he goes do you think i'm stupid and she just smiles (laughs) and that's such a nice way of saying yes she's like no 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 i think you're stubborn and i'm like it's okay to say both you can yeah like you can say he's stupid i do have to say that like for i would say the first two times i rewatched lost i didn't really care for Juliet. That's such a controversial opinion. I know. And she's still not really one of my favorite characters, to be honest. I've, especially this season, I I think she's very compelling, but I find her really condescending, especially in the early episodes. Um, And this is like an especial, like an episode or a scene in particular that I find her quite condescending. Um, See, she always came off as gentle to me. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like she was- I I never saw condescension. Mm. I, I think she's wonderfully condescending in this. Like in in the yeah. commentary, Elizabeth Mitchell was like, "I didn't mean to sound so condescending, but yeah. it kind of <laughs> happened, and I guess it works." Yeah, but like also given how we feel about Jack, it's nice to see someone condescend to him for once. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think my main problem is when she starts being condescending to the other characters, like like Sawyer and everything. Yeah. Um, especially because Sawyer doesn't take it the way that Jack does. Like neither of them really do, but. But Sawyer in particular is like, hey, I'm I don't take that crap, you know? But like seeing it with Jack doesn't bother me. Jack is always playing a game. Mm -hmm. Like when he's talking to other people, he's always like playing chess. And Sawyer's like, girl, I don't even know how to play chess. Can you just like be honest? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so water is dripping from the ceiling. Jack is trying to drink it, but it's gross tasting. He starts to hear something sounding like his father on the rusty intercom. Juliet joins him again with a tray of food and water. She asks him to please follow the rules so she can give it to him. He sits against the wall and she slides the tray in. Then she closes the door. Oh, that's the, that, those are the, um, the instructions. He doesn't actually do that. Um, he refuses the food and tells her the intercom is broken. She knew that already though. It hasn't worked in years, which is awkward. She asks him what he does for a living and he lies saying he's a repo man. She asks other questions he lies about, but then starts answering truthfully. She tries to connect with him, but he's not into it. She leaves and eats the sandwich herself. Me. So the water is dripping off the roof and he doesn't like it because it's salt water, which tells us that we're underwater before we even know. You know, if I were thirsty, I still don't know if I would open my mouth for some inexplicable dripping water from a gross roof. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Well, if you're that, if you're thirsty enough. But, like, I know that, like, I'm not gonna do that. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Sawyer, Sawyer drank water out of a- Brittany's like, I would rather die. Rusty pipe, so. Yeah. But he- there was a- there was a clear mechanism there where you could assume that was clean water. Right. Jack- like, for all Jack knows, he's under a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's pee. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, this is gross. I'm not gonna do this anymore. And you're like, yeah, well, you should've done it in the first place, dummy. But I really love the way that they tell us that we're underwater before we even know. Yeah. Yeah, the broken radio system says, let it go, Jack. She brings him a sandwich and with Dharma water, and there's this really lovely moment in the 
commentary where Damon comments on why Dharma has their own brand of water and if they're competing with Evian. <laughs> and, and it's like one of my favorite jokes. So yeah, she'll leave the tray if you sit at the wall. Um, a thing from Lostpedia pointed out, all three prisoners must follow instructions to get food. Kate complies. Sawyer imagines the process. A tr- oh yeah. Sawyer imagines the process as triumph of his intelligence and Jack pretends to obey, but uses the opportunity to attack. So that, yeah, they have to follow instructions to get food, which is cool. So, like, choose your fighter. Yeah. He says that he doesn't want their food, and, like, okay, yes, you do. But she's definitely right. You are absolutely stubborn. Like, that's a very good, that's one of, like, the main words to describe Jack, I think. Yeah. The intercom is broken. He asks about the emergency button, which ends up being the one to, like, drain the pool, or the, um, the room. He says that he knows that someone is watching him. She asks what he does. She already knows all this stuff. Like She wants to know how much he's gonna admit. She's testing him. She, she wants him to tell her. Well, why? To see what kind of man he is? And she wants him to tell her because it's a, it's a sign that he's starting to trust her. Mm. And also then she doesn't have to reveal her hand. Yeah. She ends up having to at the end Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't really work. You know, because Jack. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she's, she already knows all this information. What do you do, Jack? What's your profession? I'm a repo man. You know, when people don't pay their bills, I go in for the bank and I collect their possessions. I'm a people person, so I really love it. Are you married? No. I never saw the point. What about you? What's your job besides making sandwiches? I didn't make it. I just put the toothpicks in. She obviously knows that he's, like, super lying because it's, like, he's making jokes about it, right? He's not, he's not trying to lie to her in a, like, an actual secret way, you yeah. know? What does he think that this says about him? Like, my question was, like, if someone asked me, hey, what do you do? And I didn't want to say what I did. And I said, oh, I'm a, a doctor or whatever. Then it'd be like, you're trying to get people to think of you in a different way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, I, I mean, I know that he's joking, so potentially nothing. But, like, what does this say about him, like, being a repo man? Is that just, like, the worst possible person you can be? That's why. I think it makes him not useful to them. Mm. Like, if he's like, I don't have any information, I don't have any talents you need, let me go. Yeah. Right. And I, I, think, it, I think it casts him in, like, a negative light, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, somebody that just comes in, takes people's stuff, and leaves. Like, mm-hmm. he, wa- he wants them to have, like, this kind of negative connotation right at the start. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So he says that he's not married and that he never saw the point. So saying you're not married, that's true. But like never saw the point implies that he was never married, which is a lie. Why would he lie like that? You know, that's so rude. She says that she didn't make the sandwich. She just put in the toothpicks, which is a cute moment. And oh, I I like that the woman didn't make the sandwich. But since she's the one who brought it in, it makes sense that she would have in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that Jack talks about her making the sandwich... He doesn't lose any points in my book for assuming that because no. she's the one who brought it in. She is the purveyor of the sandwich. Yeah. But the sandwich I like purveyor. But I like that she didn't actually make it. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen evidence that maybe any type of cooking or baking is not really Juliet's forte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. She's like, I didn't make it. Actually, well, I tried to make it, but I burnt it and also my hand. Like torturing prisoners is illegal as far as I'm concerned. So I don't, I'm not going to subject you to my cooking. <laughs> right, right. So she starts to ask about the crash and then that's when he starts to answer, answer honestly. And I wonder if it's because of it's about the crash or because she made a joke and he like thinks she's pretty good <laughs> or something. 
And she does know all the actual answers, so she know that she knows that he's breaking down when he starts to answer honestly. Mm-hmm. She puts her hand against the glass because it's literally her job to make him like her. But he totally sees right through her, and so she leaves. But he's he, all he says is, "What the hell is going on here?" And I'm wondering if he he's asking genuinely, or is he asking like about her mission with him? You know, like is he saying what is going on here in general, or is he saying what is going on here? Like, you. Why are you here? Why are you trying to talk to me? Why are you asking me all these questions? I think both. Yeah, I think I think Jack has a lot of questions, and he can just ask this one, and he'll hope he'll get an answer to one of his questions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, yeah, he has so many questions that he's like, if I ask this, like, vague thing, potentially I'll get lots of answers, or at least an answer. Yeah, I'll, I will have something, instead of asking her, like, mm-hmm. a barrage of questions. Right. Or like, yeah, instead of being like, here's my specific questions, and she's like, I'm not going to answer any specific questions. Maybe he'll get some information from, like, just something that she says. And he's also drugged. Yeah, true. Yeah. So yeah, she eats the sandwich in front of him. (laughs) That's what he deserves. Honestly, it looks like a pretty good sandwich. Yeah. I hope she took the toothpicks out. Uh, Yeah, she probably did, yeah. But it's also like a solid power move. Yes, for sure. (laughs) I thought you said Brits also like a solid power move, and I was like, thank you! <laughs> I don't know what I did, but thank you. It's like a metaphor. I hate myself. So, um, Juliet comes back later with more food, and it's fruit this time. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm, I'm also interested in this. I'm also interested. I would like a sandwich and also fruit. Um, she tells him <laughs> the- hungry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she tells him the side effects of the drug they gave him. He needs to eat. He guesses that she must be some kind of doctor. She says she's a repo woman. (laughs) She's not going to do anything shady. She just wants to give him food. So he starts to comply. Um, So she says that the drugs that they gave them have dehydrating problems. um, And it's going to give him side effects. And honestly, he's already hallucinating. So that totally makes sense. Yeah, he's already losing his marbles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he can tell she may be some sort of doctor or maybe just very well informed. But I think, you know, it takes a doctor to know a doctor, and probably the way that she speaks, the cadence of her speaking, the words that she uses, he can probably tell yeah. that she's a doctor before it's even confirmed in canon that she is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so then she makes another joke, and it's an actual funny joke. I, I, I very much like that. Juliet's that really one. funny. Yeah, like, she's, she's condescending, but she's also really charming. Yeah. I think that's why people like her so much, is because she can be all of those things mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, like, the thing about, like, being a repo woman, or, like... I, put, I just put the toothpicks in it. Like, she's really charming. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she tells him that she understands that he feels like he's giving up if he does what she says. And you know what? She's right about that. Mm-hmm. If she hadn't said it, I would have. So I'm definitely with her there. <laughs> Somebody had to. Yeah. Okay, so just kidding. Jack is not complying. As soon as the door opens, Jack lunges at Juliet. The plate breaks and he uses a broken piece as a knife to her throat. They leave the room and Ben is there. Jack threatens Juliet's life and Ben doesn't really care. <laughs> Jack tries to force Juliet to open these big doors, but she refuses, saying they'll both die. He pushes her out of the way and opens it himself. Ben locks Juliet in, and Jack causes water to come rushing in. Juliet manages to help Jack close the door, but then punches him in the face. The fact that Ben bounced is the most Ben thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, why does he do that? Why does he do that? But then I um I thought of a reason, but it, too. It, but it's spoiler. It's spoiler content, so... Oh, okay. What's your reason? Mine are not spoilers. Okay. One, self-preservation. Uh-huh. Two, it's a total test. Like, it's a psychological experiment to see whether Jack or Juliet will save the other person. And right. which one comes out alive. Yeah, and also, um, since they now have to work together, that's, like, another, like, bonding thing for them. Exactly. Like, I think there was literally no downside to that for Ben. I just wanted to say that your 
idea of it being self-preservation is also a main theme on the reason that I have in the spoiler section. Dope. So yeah, he attacks Juliet. She, use, she loses her shock stick and he holds her hostage. Um, In the commentary, Liz said that they had a rubber plate to use as a knife, but it kept bending when he put it to her throat. So they had to use the real glass plate. Mm. Oh my god! Yeah, so that was a weapon. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I'd trust Matthew Fox to put a... Yeah, right, me neither. Piece, piece of glass to my, to my throat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even trust Matthew Fox on a bus. <laughs> yeah. It's a deep cut Matthew Fox reference. Mm-hmm. Google it, you'll be upset. So yeah, she can't open the door or they'll die and Ben doesn't care. <laughs> Ben's like, mm, then perish. Uh-huh. And in what context did they say we all do? Oh, we all do. We all die. Mm-hmm. It makes it sound like the stakes are higher, but they aren't. Like, the way that he says, like, if you open that door, we all die, is like, uh, open that door and this entire island blows up, or open that door and and you'll let out a monster and the monster will kill everybody, or whatever, you know? But it's really just, like, we all do in the way that just the three of them will. Yeah. Like, it's a bunch of water. We gotta go sometime. Yeah. yeah. Well, j- well, I can imagine J- Jack just being like, I've, I've heard this before. I'm not really worried. Yeah, I don't really care. I don't really care. Uh, I didn't believe so, it when Locke yeah. said it to me. I definitely don't care now. <laughs> yeah. I'm a mortal bitch. Yeah. <laughs> were you saying I'm immortal? Yeah. Okay. I thought that you were saying I am a mortal bitch. And I was like, that also. I am a mortal bitch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he pushes her away and opens the door and Ben closes the door on her. Um, the ocean rushes in and they fix it and she punches him. And in the commentary, um, they said that the knockout was not actually in the script. So we almost had no knockouts this episode, but it wasn't even in the script, but they gave us a knockout anyway. And you know what? It was satisfying. So I'll, I'll let, I'll let it slide. It's such a funny knockout. Mm -hmm. Like he goes down like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like those videos that you see on Twitter of people punching racists Mm -hmm. and it's like they get all up in like usually a person of color's face yeah and then it's just like one hit and you're down and you're Mm -hmm. like oh you're not as tough as we thought you were (laughs) yeah that's Jack Mm -hmm. so back in his cell Jack realizes that he's underwater and the room he's in was for ocean life Juliet sits at the desk in the other room with a file folder she reveals that the files hold his entire life she knows everything about him, including about his previous marriage. He's like, you know everything I've ever Googled? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh no, my search history. So Juliet, by having this file, kind of confirms and reveals to him that she knew all that stuff before. Like when she was asking him, she already knew. Liz was talking in the commentary about how she met Matt, and but they decided not to really talk to each other except during scenes. So that it kind of really did feel like they were talking for the first time. And... She said that it was really helpful and great. And I, I think, think that's cool. Yeah. And I see that through, uh, through their performances. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really neat acting choice. Mm-hmm. So they say that the room that Jack is in was for sharks and dolphins. And look, hey, answered questions. <laughs> Where'd the shark come from, Robin? I just thought it was really cool uh-huh. because when the Dharma shark showed up, that was episode 202. And you know who our guest was for 202? <gasps> who? No way. Yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> so the last time we saw Dharma Shark and talked about Dharma Shark, we were also with Drew. And now here they are answering the you questions mean, as to how the Dharma Shark became darker. Dharma. You mean Ezra J. Sharkington? Is that who you mean? Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's who okay. I mean. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Good. So yeah, she confirms that it's called the Hydra Station. Um, and he asks if they are leftovers of the Dharma Initiative. Um, and she says that was a long time ago, which doesn't quite answer the question. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that doesn't really tell you anything, actually. (laughs) Yeah. It was absolutely useless. Thanks. 
Juliet says it doesn't matter who we were, it only matters who we are, and that echoes something that Sarah says in the flashbacks. It sure does. And I do think that Jack and Locke have both said similar sentiments before. Okay, but, like, literally, like, Jack's sitting there and he's like, that's the thing I'm sensitive about! Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter who we were. It only matters who we are. We know exactly who you are, Jack Shepard. You don't know anything about me. I want to know that you're a spinal surgeon based out of St. Sebastian's Hospital in Los Angeles. I know that you went to Columbia and you graduated med school a year faster than anyone else. I know that you were married only once and that you contested the divorce. I know your father died in Sydney. I know this because I have a copy of his autopsy report. How did you get? We got it. What is that? This, Jack, is your life. She knows everything about him and she lists off some things, um, a lot of the things we already know, but some of the new things was that he went to Columbia and he graduated a year early. So those are two new things that we didn't know before. Hmm, what a nerd. My next question was, how did she get all this information? Uh, but that's a spoiler section question. Google. And he Link- His LinkedIn. On his LinkedIn. Yeah. And he wants to know about Sarah. So Jack asks Juliet if Sarah is happy. Juliet says that she is. Jack cries and sits by the wall so Juliet can bring him food. He finally does it. Outside the room, Ben tells Juliet that she's doing a good job. Hmm. So this is a moment that's really cool for, like, the ending because... The entire storyline and, like, Jack's entire goal of the flashbacks is figuring out who the man is that she cheated on him with slash is with who she is with now. Like, currently. Yeah. And so instead of asking who the man was, he just asks if she's happy. He finally got it. What? He figured out what she was trying to tell him the entire time. Juliet or Sarah? Sarah. The point was to not be a person who is obsessed with that one mystery. The point was to make sure that Sarah was happy. You think that's what Sarah was saying the whole time? Yeah, because I think she was deeply unhappy in their marriage. She she wasn't happy and he never really cared. Uh-huh. And I think now it's like, oh, okay, he gets it. He, she is something that he could never give her. Right. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that moment where, yeah, he finally really takes that step of being like, this is when I could finally get the answer and I'm going to choose to not get it because she never wanted me to know. Though it would have been so funny if he'd asked. Yeah. It's like the one mystery he never let go of. Which is a really good segue because my next note is something that Damon said in the commentary, which um, he doesn't actually know if if Juliet actually knows that. Yeah, well, like. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like a good example of Juliet being like condescending and manip- manipulative because like there's no way for her to know that. Like there's no way that like a file can say like this this random woman in Jack's life is happy. Exactly. It's just her realizing this is very much something that Jack needs to hear. Yeah. Uh, and just and, and it will help. Yeah. And just and it will help my cause. Yeah. yeah. That's beautifully manipulative. They might have chosen Juliet specifically to be like the Jack Whisperer because she looks so much like Sarah. Yeah. And he can relate to her like being a doctor and such. So I feel like that's why Juliet was chosen. Um, he will behave now, you know, he's broken and we don't actually see her give him food. Like I assume that she does though. Like the episode cuts off before she actually ends up 
being able to bring it to him. Yep. But I assume she does. <laughs> ben tells her, good work. He did, he betrayed her though. And she's still doing what he wants. And so that kind of implies that he has some sort of like dictatorship here. You can infer that even from book club. Yeah. yeah. Well, at the very least he has power over her, you know? Yeah. Like the, the same way that like Juliet is treating Jack kind of like a dog going like, good boy. That's a good boy. Yeah. Ben is like, has a firm grip on her leash. Yeah. Agree. Um, for many reasons that, uh, we cannot speak of just now. I want you to know she did a little hand movement too. <laughs> So all all episode we're hearing the name Ben and we can assume that it's him, but it takes until now when she actually uses his name to his face. Mm-hmm. Why delay the reveal of his name? Pro- I mean, it's probably an audience saying of like over the summer going, his name isn't Henry Gal. What's his actual name? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, we can't specifically say that's his actual name until they say it to his face and he like answers you know yeah. i think maybe because it's kind of a fun reveal too mm-hmm. um that's all i have for um the island storyline so before we move on to the flashbacks i want to talk to you guys a little bit about patreon so patreon is a service in which you can donate monthly to some of your favorite creators if we are some of your favorite creators <laughs> there you go it's patreon.com slash the um and our lost podcasts go out a week early on there so you should definitely check that out for a dollar and up you get early access to all of our podcasts. In November, we send out postcards every single year um, and lots of other fun, cool things. For $5 and up, you get 10% off at shopbelux.com, which is me and Brittany's small business. Yay. Um, Brittany makes resin art. It's really, really beautiful. And I do fandom embroideries. I have lots and lots of different fandoms. I take commissions, but I only have one lost design right now, which is John Locke. It's the with the... How does that happen? I just don't know if people will buy them. Oh, that's fair. Because <laughs> um, it's been over for such a long time. But I have Locke with the orange peel in his mouth. That's what I have um, as my lost design. But yeah, it, that's another way you guys can help us monetarily without going on Patreon. Even if you're not helping out and getting the um, 10% off, you can check out shopbelux.com anyway and also get something really cool out of it. Uh, yeah. And if you can't help us at all, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. That is also super helpful. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to talk about these flashbacks. Jack has crazy eyes the entire time, which I think is very funny. And I just feel like there's a lot of nuance in this, even though, like, he's literally being a psycho the entire time. He truly is unhinged. Um, Okay, so in 2003 or 2004... Because I checked on the timeline on Lostpedia. Mm-hmm. Jack is creeping outside his ex-wife's school. She's a teacher. He watches her exit the school and visit with another guy who probably works there. She's laughing and having fun. Jack wonders if he's the man that Sarah left him for. And it's like every single like dude that they show her with, which I think there are two. I think there's someone here and then someone at the very end of the episode. They're both like such generic white men that yeah. I can't tell if it's the same dude or not. <laughs> but I think that that's the point. Yeah. That's the point you're not supposed to be able to tell. Exactly. Yeah. If that is, if the guy that she works with is the guy or if it's a different guy. like yep. just, I don't know. So Jack has his pager just in case he gets called and it's 7.15 a.m. Uh, uh. And 23 seconds. Yep. <laughs> However, there was a blooper here. The crossword puzzle is the Monday, July 31st, 2006 Los Angeles Times crossword. Um, so that are, that that's in the future. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jack, a white man what is being a total creep outside of a school sir you're very lucky that you are not being arrested yeah why is he not being arrested you know no one's looking i guess you know i guess but yeah he sees he sees sarah who's leaving him and she's talking to another guy at the school this is kind of, this is just like the catalyst for 
Uh, well, I think actually the next step, the next scene is like the real catalyst, but it's clear that Jack has been thinking about this for a very long time and he's been following her for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm a Jack defender, but uh, Jack makes it really hard for you to root for him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yep. is like peak awful Jack Shepard. Uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> I totally agree. I I often try to defend Jack as much as I can because I truly believe that by the end of the series, he's redeemed for any bad thing he ever does (laughs) without saying anything else. So like, I always try and like defend him as well. But yeah, like you said, this, this flashback is uh, bad. (laughs) Does not paint him in a positive light. Absolutely not. Uh. (laughs) It's definitely embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack shows up to the law office to have a divorce meeting. Sarah is already there. She asks where his lawyer is, and Jack says he fired him. It seems like he thinks that he and Sarah can fix their relationship. Her phone rings, and she takes it. She says that Jack is there now and laughs a bit. Jack demands to know who was on the phone and the name of the man that she's been seeing. She refuses to tell him and leaves. Jack, Jack get a job. Jack will now obsess about it for the rest of the episode and maybe his life. (laughs) (laughs) So... He shows up to the divorce meeting thing without his lawyer and then goes up and just tells her she looks pretty. Stop it. Stop. She left you. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Like, no more. He thinks he can get her back. This entire time, he's like, this is divorce is not going to happen. I don't even need a lawyer. It's not happening. Exactly. And so she gets a call, which, like I said, is like the catalyst for Jack being weird the whole time. And she says he just got here. So it's clear that she's talking about Jack. So my question was like, every time it's like, was this Christian who was asking about it? Or did her lawyer ask and then say something funny that she then laughed at? Like, I feel like the way that I kind of saw it was that Christian and Sarah talked on the phone maybe like once or twice. Oh, for sure. You know, and he's just like being super weird about it just because like, like in what world does somebody who's married to somebody's son not then have like her father-in-law's phone number? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Even if they're, they're like, even if she's leaving him. And, like, he says later, we were talking about you. So, like, what's the problem? You know? So, I don't think this was Christian. I assume it's, like, her lawyer and then said something funny or, like, somebody else. Or maybe, maybe it was was the boyfriend. Maybe it was her partner. Yeah, I was just saying that was her boyfriend. Who was asking about Jack. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that because... They're in a relationship. Now, oh, wait, okay. No, but catch me up on this just Mm -hmm. real quick. Did she cheat on him? Yes. Okay, so maybe we don't stand that hard. Yeah. However, at this point, whatever she's doing is completely valid because he's being a huge creep. And because they have split up by here. They have absolutely split up, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I always always have a problem with, like, the way this uh, marriage has been depicted on the show. Of, like, Mm -hmm. I don't have enough pieces to, like, come away with, like, any conclusion of, like, how bad that marriage was. That's so fair. Because it just just goes from, like, uh, the beginning to... The literal end. Yeah, exactly. Of, like, her leaving him. And it's like, I don't have anything in between. Like, yeah, Jack probably wasn't great. But it, it wants you to have, like, this opinion of Jack sucks. And he probably sucked throughout the marriage, mm-hmm. too. And this is just yeah. another thing that Jack screwed up in his lifetime. But, like, we don't have those missing pieces. And that's, like, that's my big problem with this marriage. I think that's fair. You're totally right. Because they there are so many Jack flashbacks that we have but his marriage with sarah is only three of them this is the final one so 201 was him meeting or sorry four and this is the final one so the in 201 was him meeting her fixing her in uh 120 was their marriage and um and everything like that Mm -hmm. and then um 211 
was the hunting party. Yeah. Mm. And that's when we saw like him, like him cheat on her and then her reveal that she has already cheated on him and is leaving him. And then this episode when we get like the aftermath. And then after that, I think we see her again, maybe twice, but definitely we don't have like full episodes about her. Yeah. So do you think we're supposed to just infer from their marriage? Like, Every episode that we get with them is not a very flattering episode for Jack. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously we're supposed to infer, like, from the present what he was like as a husband. Right. So, like, if you go off of, like, what you know about Jack on the island, he's obsessive to a massive fault. He is obsessed with fixing things, but once those things are fixed, he kind of just doesn't really care about them. Yeah. So, I think that's, like, a fair interpretation of their marriage is, like, once he fixed her... Mm -hmm. He just has to move on to the next thing to fix. Exactly. And now what's he fixing? His marriage. Exactly. And he's convinced that he's going to be able to do it. But I really, like I, like what I was saying before, like I like, I just thought of like the concept of the fact that 201, the, the season two premiere, we got like him meeting Sarah and like the beginnings of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And then the season three premiere, 301 being the end, like the end end. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool how they parallel like those. Like the parallels. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack, I'm going to say this as simply as I can. What's his name? Jack, stop I'm it. not going to stop it. I'm going to keep asking you that until you tell no, me. No, I don't ask you what Just you're doing. Just tell me what his name is. I want to know who he is. You can have everything. The cars, the house, I don't care. I just, I just want to know the name of the man is with my wife he says that she can have whatever she wants like the house the car whatever like you don't don't say that you idiot i know it's like in in a lawyer's office too she's like can i record that for my records (laughs) are you new here but like he's a doctor so he's like i can buy new things he's he's got a lot of money you know i guess that's true he doesn't care about the money aspect what what's that like i want to be rich enough (laughs) to not care about money yeah (laughs) He just wants to be a control freak. That's all he wants. Ew. So here's my next question that I think we need to talk about. If you, like, watching her in this moment, is she genuinely afraid that Jack, that if she told Jack who he was, that Jack would come and hurt him? I mean, I definitely, if I was Sarah, I would not tell Jack who it is. Like, he does go and, like, beat up Christian. Yeah, I mean, he has a pretty friggin' volatile temper. I mean, he, he was felt very betrayed by christian and he knows christian and everything um but like do you guys think that he would go and like hurt that guy i think literally no good could come from jack knowing who that is yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah i i i think that's correct and yeah. i think if Dra- if jack like christian was drunk enough mm. he would make some very difficult decisions right so in his office at the hospital jack has sarah's phone records he's calling every single number on there lying as if he found sarah's phone to try and find her new partner Christian shows up and tells Jack he's being a creep, which he is. Jack calls the next number and Christian's phone rings. Jack starts freaking out, asking why Sarah would be calling him. So the thing that I really love, well, not love, but like I think is really masterful about this scene Mm -hmm. is the subtext in this scene because Jack already shouldn't have Sarah's phone records. And then if he thought that what he was doing was okay, he would say, hi, my name's Jack Shepard. I am Sarah's ex-husband, and I'm trying to figure out who her new partner is. Are you her new partner? I've got her phone records. If he thought that what he was doing was okay. But the fact that he's lying so that people will give him information, he knows what he's doing is wrong. He knows, yep, he, he knows that, like, if he didn't think it was wrong, he would tell the truth. 
Yep. He knows that people aren't going to give him information because what he's doing is bad. He's crossing boundaries. Yeah. 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 Hi. Uh, I met a, a woman on the train, Sarah, and uh, she dropped her cell phone. And I don't even know her last name, but your number was in her phone. So I, I was just wondering. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forget it. Hey. Just give me a minute, Dad. I asked you to give me a minute here. What's this? Why are you dialing all the numbers on Sarah's cell phone? Because one of them is him. You gotta stop this, Jack. It's over. Not until I know his name, where he works, where he lives, when they first kissed. I wanna know what it is about him. <laughs> Damon said on the commentary, Hi, my name is Jack Shepard. I'm an obsessive psychopath. <laughs> and I really liked that moment because that is like, we already knew that the way that Jack was written, as unlikable as he often is, mm -hmm. was purposeful. Yes. And they're doing this on purpose. Yes. But like, even though Damon was making a joke, it really does like hammer home the fact that he meant to do this. You know, they weren't trying to make Jack likable in this moment. They yeah. didn't think he was doing an okay job. Like Damon saying, I'm being an obsessive psychopath really shows us that they were trying to make him look like an obsessive psychopath you know they didn't like, miss the mark here what a choice to do that to your protagonist yeah yeah well well and also like damon has said in the past that like a lot of jack's like daddy issues and some of his personality is drawn directly or like inspired from himself mm -hmm. Oof. and so, so a lot of this is damon saying yeah i have parts of myself that i just don't like that's yeah. a self-read if I've ever heard one. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that he said that he has, like, an okay relationship with his father. I don't know if that was, like, a I have an okay relationship with him now. I don't know if any of the writers or... on this show have okay relationships with their father. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, and I think this, like, carries over to something like The Leftovers. Right, yes, of course, yeah. Where, like, he, your your main character having, like, these big, like, emotional things that he doesn't know how to deal with and makes him, like, not great sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, Jack just doesn't want to hear the fact that he's being creepy, even though apparently he knows that he is, you know? Yeah. Like, I think the fact that he's lying really signifies that he knows that what he's doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it anyway. Yep. Well, my, my question is, um, and it's less important, but, like, why didn't Jack know that the number he was dialing was Christian's? <laughs> yeah. I, I know my dad's phone number. Because, like, this is, like, yeah, in, like, early 2000s before, like, uh, iPhones and really like cell phones took right. off. like everyone knew each other's phone number and like even now i still know my mom's phone number and i know my dad's phone number so i yeah. can not pick it up when he calls <laughs> first of all freaking beautiful read absolutely gorgeous um, <laughs> second of all i don't know anyone's phone numbers except for my mom's mm -hmm. like that's it Mm -hmm. yeah you're right i think like christian walking in maybe distracted him and like that's the only really way that i can make that make sense or like maybe it's his work phone or something i don't know yeah or maybe it's a number that jack didn't know he had mm. and that's then that is like even more triggering and makes it worse for him that he yeah, didn't even know that he had this extra sneaky. phone yeah i yeah i think that's probably okay, it. okay. well that that definitely like adds something to the story i feel like because there's no way true. he didn't know mm -hmm. there's no way mm-hmm so Christian tries to walk in and Jack asks him to leave because he's doing something and Christian doesn't leave when he asks. And Jack is obviously being creepy, but Christian is also going against some boundaries here. So they're both kind of in the wrong. It's almost like they were made for each other. <laughs> I think Jack was made from Christian. No, but you know what I mean in terms of like those energies? Yeah. There was a, a blooper on uh, Lostpedia saying that, the, that Jack's degree 
on his wall, like framed on his wall, misspells his last name. <laughs> so, oops, props department. Oops, set deck. That's the art department. Yeah. There were a few books on Jack's bookshelf in his office, including the Bible, Dark Horse, Valhalla Rising, Dirty Work, and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh my god, taste. You have the best one. That's fun. I like that. How do we feel about that? I want to see what year Prisoner of Azkaban came out. Azkaban. This is really important, obviously. Azkaban was my first Harry Potter release that I waited for. I love that. I waited for Order of the Phoenix. Nice. Ooh. Publication date, 1999. Yeah. So this one isn't even the most recent one that ki- that has come out. Yeah, he just has his favorite one. I love that because I think, I mean, if you're going to choose a favorite, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a very good choice. It's not my favorite personally, but I think that's a great choice. It's my favorite. I, that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, Goblet of Fire came out in 2000 and o- OTP came out in 2003. So I think 2003. Or uh, Order of the Phoenix is probably the most recent one that come out that came out in this flashback. But I like that he has Prisoner of Azkaban. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So Christian gets a call, and like Jack doesn't think that Sarah ever calls her father-in-law. But um, your point on it being maybe like a secret phone or like a separate one is it makes definitely it, adds yeah. to it. Like I wrote, is it just because they broke up? So why should she be talking to him? Like, is that the problem? Um, but then, like you said. It could be a separate phone. Does Jack genuinely think that Sarah left him for his own mm-hmm. father? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why? Because he's obsessed with his dad. Mm. Yeah. He's obsessed with always coming in second place to his dad. So if he comes in second place in work and in his marriage, mm. that's like da- daddy issues 101. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though it would have been kind of iconic if she left him for his dad. <laughs> you know what although, I mean? Although it's like Christian is so problematic and like toxic that i'm just like you're leaving one toxic man to go to a more toxic man don't be do that don't do that no christian has cheated on margo in the past um, oh ew really oh right duh hi i'm stupid <laughs> <laughs> but jack doesn't know that right now and christian says that she was that uh he was talking to sarah about jack and so i'm like okay so now that you've heard that why isn't that okay i i just think jack's irrationality is taking over yeah Mm, that'll do it. So then Christian's like, hey, I know about being obsessive. And Jack's like, being drunk is not obsessive. Is that your medical opinion? And also, it's an addiction. By definition, yes, it is. Are you a doctor? Those are those are sister th- words. Yes. You know? Yeah. One might even call them synonyms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obsessive and drunk? Obsessive and addiction. Obsession and addiction. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. This is, this is just Jack Shepard thinking... How can I be a little shit in this moment? Yeah. And then he says, let it go, Jack. Which, of course, like, the concept of letting things go and the concept of fixing things, these are Jack's two, like, main, like, problems, really. And we get both of those this episode. Um, Jack's helping out a patient in a hospital room. He hears a phone ring and looks into the hallway. Christian got a call and is being real chipper about it. Jack is distracted. So, yeah, Jack is distracted. And I'm just, like, he gets... Like, the nurse says, are you sure he's ready to self-administer his pain meds? And Jack, like, is so distracted. He's letting this get in the way of him doing his deeply important job. Yep. Like, this man could be severely, like, hurt if you don't pay attention to the conversation you're having right now. Yep. Another really cool thing that I saw on Lostpedia was that um, the nurse that speaks to Jack was the same one who checked up on Locke in Deus Ex Machina. (gasps) So it's the same. What? 
I just realized I keep saying this cool thing instead of saying fun fact, and therefore I can't use the thing, so I'm gonna be better about that. <laughs> yeah, can you get your shit together? I know, please? it's oh been God. a while, it's been a while. Jack follows Christian to a hotel. He follows him all the way into a room with a bunch of people in it. It's an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Jack demands to see Christian's phone, but it's just not the time. The leader of the meeting knows all about him and invites him to stay and chat with everyone. Jack starts yelling about how Christian is always judging his decisions and his life. The leader reveals that Christian has been sober for 50 days. Jack implies that sleeping with Sarah is the thing that helped him through. And Christian's like, huh? So Daddy Jack attacks him. Shoes. Yeah. I, okay. So here's the thing though. So he goes to the Linford Hotel and already I'm like, this is getting worse and worse and worse for Jack. Not yes. only is he following him, but he followed him to a hotel. Like, which is, which would be the place where you cheat on your wife. Yep. You know? Yep. So yeah, Christian's just at AA and everyone knows who he is because Christian talks about him. And Jack assumes that the things that he says about Jack's, like, behind Jack's back are the things that he's said to Jack's face, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that, like, we've seen the flashback with Christian talking to Sawyer in the bar back in season one. And the things that Christian says behind Jack's back are actually usually, like, much kinder and yeah. more honest. So that's, like, extra sad. So there was this really awesome quote that Damon said during the commentary that I pulled out. And he said, in poker, we call this pot committed. And it basically means you've put so much money in on the bluff that you cannot fold your cards. And that's where Jack is right now. It's kind of like, okay, I was wrong, but now I'm going to yell at you about something else. Ooh, yeah. So it's just like it, moving the goalposts. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, I was really mad and now I'm here and it turns out that I made a mistake, but now I don't want to be embarrassed about being wrong. And so now I'm just going to yell at you about something else. Just going to double down. Yeah. Yep. Me during any argument. <laughs> All right, you guys are not going to believe this, but I have made up a backstory for a random background actor in this scene. What? Ready for it. So there is this background actor. She's like an older, like elderly lady. Okay. She's clearly here for alcoholism, like everyone else is, except for the leader. Okay. And she, when Jack starts yelling at Christian, you see her in the background flinching. Oh. Every time he like speaks like a word very, very loudly. Okay. And, like, she's clearly here for alcoholism, and I can just think of this really rough story with her where I'm just, like, like clearly due to her flinching, that kind of, like, shows that this has happened to her before mm -hmm. and that it's very scary when, like, people yell. And, yeah, I just saw this random lady and I was like, I see the acting and the story that you're putting on screen, ma'am. Thank you. She's really putting it out there. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry that to that lady and um, or her character. <laughs> And I hope that you're doing okay. Thank you. Aww. She says, or the leader says that um, Christian has been sober for 50 days, which is awesome. Yeah, that's a huge achievement. It is. Christian has had issues for a really long time. Jack implies that what helped him turn that corner was <laughs> sleeping with his wife. And Christian to that just says, I'm your father. Is that your explanation as to why it's not true? Like, why wouldn't you just say, well, that's not true. Yeah. Instead, he goes, I'm your father. So... That doesn't answer any questions. And so Jack um, beats him up. I mean, that wasn't called for. Yeah. Which is like the part where that I wonder, like, does Sarah know that Jack can get violent and that's why she like wanted to protect her, her boyfriend or whatever from like Jack's temper. Yes. I think that's a hundred percent the case. Yeah. Yeah. Jack sits in a prison cell. A guard lets him out. Someone posted his bail. He gets out to the lobby and finds Sarah. She tells him that Christian called her. He was drunk out of his mind. Jack follows her outside and sees a guy waiting by the car for her. He asks about him, but she still won't say anything. So Jack went to jail for assaulting Christian. I mean, yeah. He was in the middle of an AA meeting. I yeah. don't think he was 
it was going to be optional got at that point. witnesses here. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that we never get a flashback of Jack going to court for stuff. Because it's clear he's done, he's done a lot of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How would you guys feel if they're like, this man's doing my spinal surgery. Let me Google him real quick. Oh. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? He has charges for assault. That doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> that actually makes me feel really bad. Yeah. Like, I, it makes sense, like... I have to do criminal record checks for my job, yeah. but I mean, I work with kids, I'm a teacher, but I, I feel like, um, you know, doctors should also not have criminal records. I don't know. <laughs> you know who else shouldn't have cl- criminal records? Cops? That's correct! Hmm. Wow. Controversial. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> this is a really cool parallel because he is also incarcerated in the island storyline. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So those kind of go together there. Um, Sarah is the one who posted his bail because Christian told her about it. I, I saw it in this moment, he still wears his wedding ring when he sees her, and when he sees her, he lifts his hand up and starts, like, tugging on his wedding ring. I was like, bro, you cannot continue wearing that. It's, it's, it's let it, let it go. <laughs> he still considers himself taken. He considers himself married. I'm sorry, but I thought that marriage is, like, a consensual thing in which both of the people have to be into it. <laughs> and I mean, listen, if you're, if we're actually deeply thinking about this, Jack is the wronged party in their marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's a, like, we don't get to decide when he like lets it go. Yeah. The problem is that we know who Jack is and what kind of dude he is. So you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, her boyfriend is waiting for her and she says, it doesn't matter who he is. It just matters who you're not, which echoes Juliet's statement mm-hmm. um, in the previous scene. And wow. And, and the thing is like, that is a harsh thing to say. But she's not at all trying to be mean. Like, you can tell that she's being genuine and she's just actually sad for him. Yeah. And trying to explain to him why he needs to let it go. Which is another thing. Once again, let it go, Jack. This is a thing he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I, f- I feel like the entire exchange is kind of... She's not trying to be, but I feel like it is cruel. Like, mm-hmm. the 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 final word of her going, now you have something to fix. Yeah. Like, if it feels cruel. Sarah. What? Is that him? What difference does it make? It just does. It's not gonna change Look, I wanna know! I need to know who he is. It doesn't matter who he is, it just matters who you're not. Jack, your father? When he called me to help you. He was so drunk, I could hardly understand him. Look at the bright side. Now you have something to fix. It's brutal. Like, that's something you think, but you do not say. Yeah. yeah that's what, what one might call an inside thought. Yeah. Yeah. I also, like, wonder about the choice like, her choice to have her boyfriend be there. Like, I don't know if she expected Jack to... She should have expected Jack to follow her out, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that she, like, had him there feels a little bit weird as well. Like, had it was kind of, like, dangling it over Jack's head a little bit. Yeah. But it also, I don't know if, like, she had a choice because it seems like that call came in pretty fast. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. yeah. Well, like, she's also looking at him and treating him kind of like he's a monster. Right. Yeah. And again, like that just, 
I don't have enough of a sense of of their marriage to like really determine one way or another. And so like that feels like a that feels like a weird choice. It definitely feels the problem is that like we're sitting here like, oh, like, is it cruel? And then you're like, this man just got bailed out of jail for punching his own father. Yeah. Right. And you're like, oh, but is it unjustified then? <laughs> is like, is he a monster? No. Is he not not a monster? Who's to say? Well, he's acting like one. He's yeah. acting like an ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, at some point, she should probably just get, like, a restraining order. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's that creepy about it. But Christian has fallen off the wagon again because of Jack. And I noticed that Jack always looks away when he cries. Like, when someone says something to him, he always looks away. And yet, even though Jack did this to Christian, and Christian is drunk and feels bad and everything, he still calls Sarah because he still wants Jack to be helped. He wants Jack out of jail. It's his kid. Yeah. Not that I like Christian, who's a trash person. But still. This is interesting, though, because this implies that Christian, I guess, consented to him being arrested? Like, decided to press charges? Yeah. So he pressed charges and then had Sarah bail him out. So I'm like, in in my mind, I'm wondering if Christian wanted him to go through that humiliation and purposefully chose Sarah to bail him out rather than bailing him out himself. That was my next question. Why didn't he ask someone else to go? Why didn't he ask Margot to go? He asked Sarah to go. It was a punishment. Yeah. Sarah, who's a teacher, how much was his bail? Probably a lot. Oh, yeah. You guys think Christian paid for the bail money and she's the one who just had to go or well, what? Jack did give her everything in the settlement. So she probably has quite a bit of money now. Yeah, that wasn't even on the record though. And that was like, what, two days ago that he even said that? So yeah, I don't know about that. Well, you got me there. And we don't get to know anything about the guy because Jack doesn't get to know anything about him. So we also don't know. Yeah. And this whole arc, the whole flashback, this episode is all about that guy. It's centered around that guy. That's the guy that we want to know about. And, and, but we don't get it because Jack doesn't get it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then for like, for, for Christian, like mm-hmm. this becomes like another thing of like, Jack screwed this up. Yeah. Right. You know, this is another thing in Jack's life that he ruined. Um, yeah. His dad was on the, the straight and narrow for the most part, you know, like he was getting sober. Maybe Jack's action, the episode implies that Jack's actions pushed Christian back onto, back onto the wagon and, or off the wagon, I should say, to like where he ends up, you know, accidentally killing someone and, you know, getting exiled to Australia. Like, mm-hmm. it becomes another thing of like, this is Jack's fault. It's like, this flashback is set 2003 or 2004. I think it would have been cool if like we had seen, I don't think that it's like this but like it would have been cool if in two for the road when we see christian at the airport with anna lucia or something that he was like a little beat up or something and then we could put those two like decidedly like right beside each other yeah in the timeline like that would have been really cool if that was like one of the last things that jack ever like got to see christian about and then he went straight to australia or something which would have hurt even more but that's not confirmed but um i think that that definitely was like part of that arc. And I mean, like, obviously, because we like, I know I personally, like, don't suffer from an alcohol addiction. I don't really know how like any of that works psychologically. I I do wonder if part of Christian relapsing was due to the obvious trauma of what Jack did. And partly because, and maybe this is just because of who Christian is. I'm not saying this is anything to do with alcoholism, but who Christian is as a person to punish Jack a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, like, yeah. this also, like, connects back to Jack's mom telling telling him that, like, this is your fault. 
Exactly. Yeah. You know? And like, if you're told something enough times and you see enough evidence, you're going to start to believe it. Yeah. That's what I had for the episode. Other than spoilers, of course. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for segments. Uh, our first segment is our best line award. My best line award goes to Sawyer and Kate for... You okay, Freckles? Yeah. You? Just swell. I requested that cage for what? <laughs> He's like just trying to like cheer her up and stuff and it's great. Thank you. And mine goes to Ben for... So I guess I'm out of the book club. For some reason, that line is always, like, iconic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mine goes to Sawyer trying to talk to Carl going... Oh, you ain't gonna talk to me? What, you got more important things to do? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Because Sawyer's like, I certainly don't. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now it's time for Man of Science, Man of Faith, and we've got an easy one this time because our main character is Jack. <laughs> yep. Do you guys think Jack is a man of science or a man of faith this episode? I mean, it's always a little too easy to say that Jack's a man of science. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I, yeah, so I guess, like, what the question really should be is, can we see Man of Faith Jack at all this episode? He doesn't have any science to back up that he can just escape. Right. Right? Like, he's... He is taking a little bit of faith on, like, yeah, I can just get out of here because I'm Jack Shepard and I can do anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course I can leave. Yeah, and I think he also has, like, faith that he will be able to fix his marriage in the flashbacks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, but, like, coming with that, it's like he would mask it as science because he'd be like, my hypothesis is that if I do this, this, and this, my marriage will, will come back together when really he's just disguising that as science when it's really actually just faith. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The next segment is Hurley's Walkman. Um, Moonlight Serenade is playing on Jack's car radio while he's watching Sarah at the school. And this is cool because it's the same song that Hurley and Saeed picked up on the radio in the long con. What the hell? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That's really neat. And um, obviously Downtown by Petula Clark. Mm -hmm. Iconic. Um, for Sawyer's Book Corner, we talked a little bit about the other books that are on Jack's shelf, but our main one is Carrie by Stephen King. Um, yeah. Did they do the thing, which is when they say the episode name in the episode? No, they didn't do it this time. Aww. But I think they do it next episode, so. Oh, sweet. Yeah. How many episodes since the last knockout? There were no knockouts in the script, but they added one. I'm okay with it, though. So zero episodes to, since the last knockout. Do you guys think that Jack did any Jack explaining this episode? I feel like if there was any episode no. he was going to do Jack explaining, it would be this one. Well, he definitely didn't do it in the Juliet storyline. Uh-huh. Did he Jack Jack explain like something to Christian? Did he Jack explain something to Sarah? I don't think so. No. Wow, can you guys it, believe it? It was more about his feelings. And how mm-hmm. he was perceiving certain events. Man, this... Should we abolish this segment? No, because it'll come back. Okay. I'm gonna write down eight episodes since the last Jack's plane. Um, does this episode pass the Bechdel test? No. Uh. We only had three main female characters this episode. Juliet, Kate, and Sarah. And they didn't talk to each other. But stay in Juliet for clear skin. Mm. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. We truly would suffer without them. Truly. Especially me when I'm doing my summaries. Mm. 
Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. Ooh, we like those. Yeah. Um, we also have a survey. It's in the description. Uh, you can talk about some things that you like, like about the podcast, some things that you don't like about the podcast, just things that we could work on. We can't get less annoying, so don't write that. Um, not that anyone ever did. We just are scared that someone will. <laughs> like, I know that people find us annoying. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Luckily, the people who do find us annoying don't talk about it or tell us about it. So it's great. Yeah. And like the people who also find us annoying, like are also our friends. Yeah. So they'll just be like, yeah, you're annoying. And we're like, we know. That's okay. Yeah. Or you can, if you don't feel like putting in the effort of writing a whole last review, go ahead and just give us those little stars. I like stars. We like stars. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We are currently covering the final season and it's been weird so far. It's been real weird. Yeah. I, I don't even, like, we're going to be, like, several more episodes in by the time this oh, goes it's gonna up. it's going to be even weirder. It's probably going to be weirder. Yeah. But um, we've done ep- uh, seasons four to seven, and then we're going to be going back to do s- the first three seasons, which I'm really excited about because I feel like that's kind of when the show was in its prime. Uh, correct. Yep. Season two was its best. Oh, season two was awesome. Yeah. If you're a fan of Riverdale and we like to talk about that show too, we did all four seasons that are currently available. So lots and lots of backlogged podcasts there if you're bored in quarantine. Um, and it has been renewed for season five and season six. And we do. I'm so excited that about That podcast is fun because we do nothing but relentlessly dunk on it. Oh, it's so with fun. With love. With so much love. Yeah. Truly. So if you're ready to hear us make fun of something, but with a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. There you go. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We've done all of season one and we are doing all of season two throughout all of 2020. We're going to do season three in 2021 and then hopefully we'll have season four by then. Who's to say? Who's to say? If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that whole franchise. We did all of season one of Star Trek Picard and so now we're trying to figure out what we're going to cover next. Mm -hmm. Um, but spoiler alert, I'm probably going to bully Sam into talking about Voyager. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do post gifts of all of our favorite Alina Awards on Tumblr, so please support me over there. Thank you. <laughs> and our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because um, hosting this many podcasts is actually super expensive. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but you shouldn't. Drew, thank you so much for coming on the box! Yay! Yeah, I was really glad to be here. Now, now if uh, Robin wants to call me out in the rest of this episode, she can just do it directly to my face and not on uh, another podcast. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, where can we follow you? At the Drew Koenig and uh, go follow my podcast at Lost Cause Pod and Tendry Ducks. And go read a Star Trek. Follow this podcast. Go and check out our uh, our episode. Yes. There was much nonsense. Yeah. So much. The next episode that we are doing is episode 302, The Glass Ballerina. And our guest for that episode is going to be my cousin Jillian. Jillian. That's going to be crazy. She's <laughs> a clown, but is also very intelligent. She's insane. Yeah. She's like <laughs> the smartest person I've ever met, but like an idiot too. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay, love you. Bye. 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 Drew, say something. Drew, say Ah! something. Oh, I missed my line. (laughs) (laughs) See y'all. See y'all is great.
All right, welcome to the spoiler section. Finally. All right, um, so I guess we'll do the same storylines, like skate spoilers, Jack spoilers, flashback spoilers. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. So that's spoilers. I like how we went straight to skate. It's the B storyline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, Mr. Friendly says that Kate is not his type, and it's because he's gay. Ah, yes, the only gay character on Lost, and he's a villain. Yeah. Yep, one of, one of two references to a character being gay. Yeah. I feel so represented. <laughs> <laughs> By Mr. Friendly. My next one was just that, like, imagine watching Carl grow up from a child. This is kind of like Ben, Ben stuff. Imagine watching Carl grow up from a child just to torture him because he wants to get with Alex. Yeah, it's toxic masculinity at its finest. Yeah, true. Like, he does make the point later that, like, the reason why he does this is because if Alex gets pregnant, she will die because pregnant women die on the island. But, like, still, just, like birth control give her an iud and walk away exactly like you literally have like what is juliet she's a is she an obstetrician fertility doctor. yeah she's like yeah 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 right so you literally have someone whose expertise is that i'm pretty sure she would also know how to stop that yeah yeah what's the heck what the heck should they not just be like giving out iud's in your like welcome package (laughs) my god But, like, my thing is that it's just, like, he has clearly, I mean, all these kids, the, the teenagers are here. What? There's, like, Alex and Carl, and they're the only teenagers here, right? Yeah. They're the only ones we see. So, like, it's, like, has Carl been here his whole life? And if so, you, like, look at that nine-year-old, and then he grows up, and you're, like, totally chill with, like, sticking him in room 23 and, like, putting him in a cage. And, like, I don't know. I, that That's, like, rough. I mean, it's been. Yeah. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the dress that Kate is wearing is actually Alex's, and that's revealed next episode. Ew. We meet you. Someone, t- Ben took her clothes and put them on another woman. Yeah. And it was not in a nice way. Sure. That's weird. Next episode, she says, actually, it looks better on you, so you can have it. Oh, okay. So it's kind of nice. All right. Next scene. Okay. So, um, they must have knocked them out to get on the boats, because what one thing that we don't know yet is that they're actually not on the right island. Oh, yeah! And so the fact that Carl is like... How how long of a walk is it to your to your camp? I'm like, bud, they're we're not on the same island. So Mike, like, obviously Carl knows which island he's on. Does he though? Yeah, because okay. he knows where the Hydra is. Okay, so he knows what island he's on. He must think that Sawyer's like camp and stuff is on this island. Yeah, probably. or else it doesn't make sense. So the reason why they had to knock them out was to get them on the boats, right? Because they had to take them across the like channel, I guess. When do we find out that they're on a different island? Episode three hundred four. Excuse me. Does Carl, yeah, so does Carl not know that they're on the island? Are they all living on Hydra Island right now just to build the runway, I guess? Probably. Because that's what they're all working on. Um, yeah, Carl must think that the survivors live on Hydra or this doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Juliet shocks Sawyer and it's a meet cute. That is the funniest meet cute I have ever seen. <laughs> She's just like, hey. Girl meets boy, boy meets girl. Girl. <laughs> yeah. Girl electrocutes boy. Girl tases boy. <laughs> boy convulses on the ground. No! <laughs> Um, in the commentary, Liz said that Sawyer is not Juliet's thing and that Jack is way more interesting to her. Oh my god, when was that? At the end of season three. Like, they, they shoot, they record the, um, the audio commentaries after every season. Oh my god. So at the end of season three, Juliet was like, oh yeah, Juliet, or uh, Liz was like, Juliet's not interested in Sawyer. Boy, I got news for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yet? He'll yeah. be, he, he's a different man soon, okay? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Carl goes to room 23 after this, um, and we find him later this season there, which is where Walt was held for a while. Okay, so here's the thing. We know that Ben wants Carl in there 
because of the whole Alex thing. Mm -hmm. My main question is like, we don't see Ben talk to Carl. We see Juliet and friendly with Carl. Why is everyone else complicit in Carl's incarceration? I guess because Ben told them to. Yeah, because Ben said so. Like, yeah. Like, that's all that we can possibly say, right? Because, like, what else? Well, because I don't know. Because, like, there are all the moments from, like, season two of, like, Friendly going, yeah, we don't want him to find out about this, which is. Yeah, yes. Supposedly supposed to be Ben. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I guess he is, like, this, this, like, uh, boogeyman within the others now. Yep. It's just hard because, like, he's a kid, and, like, clearly they've all watched him grow up as well. And, like, they just have to listen to him, and, like, he got, like, full on beat up. I feel bad for Carl. <laughs> I have, like, a really special place in my heart for Carl. And and for a while, like, there was this thing on Twitter where everyone was doing, like, those tears and stuff. You guys mm-hmm. remember that? There was, like, there was like a thing where it was, like, a tier maker, like, T-I-E-R, mm-hmm. right? And then you'd, like, put your favorite characters in, like, the tiers as to, like, if you liked them or didn't like them or whatever. And I put Alex and Carl in, like, my top tier. And everyone was like, huh? And I was like, what? I was like, is this a weird opinion? Do you guys not like Alex and Carl? I was like, huh? Probably because they're so minor. I and Carl especially. Yeah, I just love them. I, I mean, love their love. Alex, I would put in my in my tier. I don't know about Carl. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, like, clearly they're willing to, like, go to such lengths to be with each other. Like, they really... I just love Alex and Carl. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had for that storyline, so we can move on to Jax as long as everybody else doesn't have any more. But um, why is Juliet sad when she's looking in the mirror? And listening to downtown like clearly we know that she has been there for three for three years even though she was not supposed to be there for that long and that ben has been really weird towards her and she's not allowed to leave and and everything so i don't know why it is like that day in particular that she's really sad or she's just sad every day or yeah i think it's just one of those things if you yeah think about it and it's like oh i'm sad now <laughs> oh i yeah. made myself sad uh yeah um, Drew, do you want to talk a little bit more about Carrie and why it would be Juliet's favorite book? Yeah. Hey, I'll say again, I haven't read Carrie in a long time. Um, also, sure. <laughs> but like, as I said, like so much of that book is like, um, Carrie not really fitting into like either world and being a bit of a freak as a result. Mm-hmm. A freak in quotation marks. Sure. But like that does like apply to Juliet of like, she's not an other and she's not necessarily an outsider you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she doesn't fit cleanly into like either of those two worlds anymore. And she doesn't have any escape. Right. Like in the way that like friendly and like Danny and Goodwin and Ethan and stuff are clearly there of their own volition. And mm-hmm. they're like, have chosen to be on that Island. She's trapped. Yeah. And like Juliet doesn't have the option of going nuclear and killing everyone at her prom, you know? Right. Yes. Like that is, the, that is not an option available to her. But she likes the book because she's like, it's nice that you had the option, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that you got to live out your fantasies of murdering everyone around you. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's not really it for me. Yeah. Oh, no, another Stephen King reference? Ha ha ha. That took me a minute. <laughs> so the reason why Goodwin was sent is because of Juliet and he had a relationship with Juliet and Ben didn't like that. So that's the reason why Goodwin got sent and why Goodwin got murdered. Still to this day, not really sure why Ben sent Ethan. Because they had like a really... I mean, I guess they just had to like kind of make it make sense because they had already made Ethan into a person. But like in season five, we learned that Ben has known Ethan for Ethan's literal entire life. And Ethan's the only uh, Dharma Initiative member that he brings over to 
the others and the hostels or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess it's just kind of something that they couldn't really foresee. But, like, maybe he just trusts Ethan extra or something? I don't know. But it's sad that Ethan dies because of it. I wonder if Ben feels bad. I don't think Ben feels bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he feels it. <laughs> ben, ben is. I don't think. Yeah. Essentially, a, psych- a sociopath at this point in the show. So. I mean, he. There are certain people that he he watches people like grow up from children, like Alex, who he obviously does feel bad about, and bad things happen to her, and he's very very serious about that. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of a mentor to Ethan for Ethan's entire life. So it's kind of hard for me to think that he wouldn't at least have some sort of soft spot for Ethan. I mean, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why does Ben close the door on Juliet when the water's rushing in? So here, here's, here's my, um, my theory, mm-hmm. basically, is that Jack, if, she, if he let Juliet come out, Jack would drown and die. Because even if he closed it, he wouldn't know how to, like, drain all the water out, mm-hmm. right? And so if he locks Juliet in there, she knows how to fix it, and has a self-preservation instinct. And she and Jack will have worked together to have, like, bonded or something. And she has to save... Jack cannot die here because Jack has to save Ben. Yeah. Right? So he can't just close... He has to close the door on both of them because if he leaves Jack in there alone, he'll die. Okay. And he needs Juliet in there so that to Jack To tell him die. how to stop it? Yeah. That's my thought okay so when you said self-preservation i was like yeah i'm with you in a roundabout way for sure oh okay i see what you're saying yeah like it, it so it's like basically in multiple mm-hmm. it had multiple layers yeah that makes sense when jack asks juliet if they are the leftovers of the dharma initiative only ben and ethan are really but then it's interesting because eventually like in the past but like in their future juliet and jack and sawyer and kate and everybody were all part of the dharma initiative mm-hmm <laughs> So that's really cool. Also, in Lostpedia, it said that Tom and Ben both do a very subtle namaste-style bow. Tom does it in the shower room when he tells Kate that she's not his type, and Ben does it at the very end when he tells Juliet that she did a good job. Um, So that's also a leftover of the Dharma Initiative, even though Tom was never part of it. Um, How did she get all of the info about him from the flame? The flame is where they get all the information. That was very confusing for a moment there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> like, is a different flame. Like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah, but how? But it is unclear to me what they do to get clearance on stuff like this. I think Ben just has access to whatever he wants. Yeah, I just, like, don't know how, really. Magic. Um, Jacob's just like, yeah, you can have that one. Sure. <laughs> so when Jack asks if Sarah is okay and, like, happy and everything, and Juliet says that she is... In the season three finale, we see her and she's pregnant. And so she's clearly like started her family and everything and is really, I assume, happy. So happier. So that's good. Yeah. As for flashbacks, I only have one spoiler thought for the the flashbacks, just because, like I said, Sarah has like four main episodes and this is the last one of them. One of the only other times we see her is in the season three finale. And it's when Jack goes to the hospital and she shows up because she's still listed as his emergency contact. Oh. So it's kind of like the same thing where he's stuck somewhere and she's the one who has to come and collect him. And I like that it's about her and that she's there for him, even though she's like, okay, bye. And he's like, hey, can you give me a ride home? And she's like, no. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's all I have, unless you guys wanted to talk about something else. No, I'm good, fam. Yeah, nothing I can think of. Okay, perfect. Well, Drew, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. It has been lovely. It has. Can you tell us one more time where we can follow you and where we can find your podcasts? Oh, yeah. 
you can follow me on Twitter at the Andrew Koenig and my podcasts are on Stitcher and iTunes. And I think that's it. I should really check on that actually. <laughs> Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an extra button. You can follow both of us at The Aficionados, um, pretty much everywhere, mostly Twitter, though. Like, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we'd really appreciate it, because this is expensive. Consider helping us out on Patreon, and if you can't, check out shopbelux.com. The links are in the description, and that's another way that you can help us out and get something really cool out of it. Mm, Okay, love you. Bye. 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 See y'all. I'm a repo woman.